Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak. Do you remember where you were when we elected a Sasquatch president? How about when you learned Ben Franklin was a robot? Or first heard Stalin's mixtape? I'm Zach Powers. I'm Brian Flynn, and we host The Revisionists. Each episode, one person explains real history and another tells an alternate version. And the winner becomes the truth. We let comics from Denver and around the country run wild through history. It's an in-depth look at history, but with more Babadooks. Check out The Revisionists, available every other Saturday. Wherever you get podcasts and at revisionistpodcast.com. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy. At Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Dave Callahan, creator of Jean-Claude Van Johnson. And this is Peter Atencia, the director of Jean-Claude Van Johnson, and you're listening to the Real Nerds Podcast. Welcome to the Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Pop Culture Con Denver oh, screwed it up. of 2019. Nope, nope. Uh, if I, you get the name wrong, they won't let us come back. Hey, it said I said unofficially. <laughs> unofficially. Uh, I am a host, James, mm-hmm. uh, and I am joined as sometimes by Zach and Brad uh, and not Ryan because no. Ryan's puking his guts out. Uh, or is he solving a mystery for Idaho Springs? Oh, that could be. I think he's probably just puking. Never mind. He's probably puking. I told him. <laughs> I told him puking his guts out would make for good tape. Maybe he's puking uh, while he solving a mystery. The right. mystery of why he's puking. Uh, it could be. Yeah. Yeah. What's in my vomit? That's <laughs> yeah. a mystery. Just, just him, like sitting Indian style on the floor, like poking at his own vomit. Like, <laughs> what is that? What's the connection <laughs> between this vomit and my eating habits? <laughs> I didn't eat eggplant. <laughs> Ryan Frost and the Hardy Boys and What Did I Eat Last Night? (laughs) Whose vomit is this? There's vegetables in here. (laughs) Is it Daisy the dog, Kellen the kid, or is it myself? It's definitely the dog. Oh, yeah. There's so much bubble gum in this vomit. (laughs) Um, How you guys doing? I'm still sick. Oh, I'm uh, I'm okay. Did did you get Ryan sick? Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I'm living is now to infect everybody. Yeah. Patient zero. That is is your life motto. If I'm going down, I'm taking you all with me. Exactly. (laughs) Live by those words. Yeah. I'm I'm not going to lie. I might... I, eh, if I, I'm going to monitor myself over the next couple of days, see if I'm catching anything. But no. <laughs> Brad and I were out on a film set on Saturday, and it was cold as shit. <laughs> yeah, cold and windy, and yeah. yeah, it was it was fun though. No, I mean, I had fun at least uh, watching them. It was uh, Risa Scott who. Um, yeah, I saw your. Post. She's, she's been a guest on this podcast before. Been on she the, has been on the podcast. I've, I've directed her. Brad's directed her, and then she decided to go direct her own thing, and we decided to help. She directed her. us. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> she turned the tables. 
Um, she it's did a twist. She did a wonderful job, though. It was it was fantastic. Oh, it was good. and me being cold was my own fault because I read the read the report and took it too literally, and I was just like, well. I only need my thin exercise hoodie. I don't need my bulky hoodie with fur inside of it. Yeah, and I was stupid and wrong. <laughs> it's nasty outside. This yeah, whole weekend was weird. It's like it'd be warm. It would be absolutely beautiful, and then like three hours later, it'd be freezing. It's almost like we live in Colorado. Yeah, yeah no. who would, who would the earth. Thought? The earth is dying. It doesn't doesn't know what to do. Yeah, but it's thanks, Obama. <laughs> Global warming All is right. a myth. No, well, he invented Stop. it. <laughs> um, yeah, cool. Yeah. Cool, cool. What James, do we see this week? Yeah, what do we do? Oh, on yeah, this oh show? yeah, that's right. Right. Um this week we went and saw uh because of me, mm-hmm. uh we went and saw Alita Battle Angel. Oh, excuse me, it's called Gunnam. Gunnam Gunnam. <laughs> uh this week we went and saw Gun Dream. Um <laughs> James Cameron's uh realization of a fifteen, twenty year dream of Finally making this weird anime into that, a movie. That he handed off to Rappas Rodriguez. That he gave up on <laughs> because of money. Um, yeah. So we got, we, this week we went and saw it. Uh, we're going to uh, review it. And, and what we'll do is we'll, we'll talk about whether you should see the movie. And then we'll play the trailer. And then we'll review it and we'll spoil the shit out of it, I'm sure. Um, but before we get there, we're going to talk about what we've been watching and movie news and what Blu-rays are coming out. Um but I think first we might go around town with Brad. Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. This is the part where Ryan sings a song. Nope. Brad's going Don't around town. Don't do it. <laughs> Brad's going around town. Dun, dun. It's terrible. We have a jingle for it. I know. It plays I every plenty, week. <laughs> I left addition. plenty of space for it. Brad, uh, what's going on? Not a lot. Uh, the Esquire is still not operational, so I'm losing my mind. Esquire oh. shut down day 75. But I do know that this weekend, starting on Thursday at the Emerging Filmmakers Project, you can enjoy EF Palooza uh, Friday and Saturday following that. Uh, mm. It's um, extra... Uh, emerging filmmakers project goodness um where they're showing like repeats of all the greatest stuff from 2018 that they screened including oh. cardigan sorrow Ooh. Uh, which is mine and that's i think seven o'clock on friday mm, in nice. that block so they have blocks of films and you pay 10 bucks 10 bucks for a block or 25 dollars for the whole festival so you can come thursday friday or saturday anytime thursday, friday saturday or the whole time for the whole time um, or this weekend pay, at the Bug Center. Uh, $15 for a day uh, if you only want to do... Uh, obviously, the, the one block on Thursday that's EMP <laughs> is just 5 bucks because that would suck for $15. Yeah. Uh, but the other days, if you want to you know, maximize your, your money, uh, definitely take advantage of that. But anyway, yeah, it's all the best of 2018 uh, in one condensed weekend. So it's a big big festival event for the bu- at the Bug Theater. Check it out. Colorado Films, indie, indie, yep. indie. Colorado Films. Uh, I we, yeah, we were talking uh, when we were sitting at the Alamo beforehand. Um, Dan Weingart, who's been on the show before, was with us, and uh, he was asking us like, "Hey, what are your like best experiences you've ever had at the theater?" I'm gonna bring this back around. Don't worry. Uh, what are the best experiences you've ever had in a theater? And the first one that I thought of was actually at the Esquire uh, when I saw Pulp Fiction at midnight with an audience of people who like. Loved it and were quiet, except they couldn't help but laugh before the joke. <laughs> yeah. So, like the scene with with um, 
uh, Christopher Walken would just start and they would they would laugh and then they would all be quiet and yeah. then they would just like it's up his butt. <laughs> right. but. Yeah, but they didn't. They didn't like wrecked them. They didn't say anything out loud. They would just. They just couldn't help but laugh before the movie started. Right. Um, Be hilarious or, if one guy in the little pocket of the corner was just going like his ass. Yeah. <laughs> or, or they all like booed and 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 hissed when um, uh, when it skipped over the Elvis versus the Beatles scene um, because the version they had wasn't the complete version. Uh. Um, but anyway, uh, it was great, and so. My fingers are crossed for the Esquire. Yeah, I need I need something to do at midnight on a Friday and Saturday. Uh, other than sleep. Yeah. Other than sleep, because sleeping sucks, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Who wants to sleep? Oh yeah. No. Um. Yeah. Cool. I, I I like insomnia so much because there's a lack of sleep in it. The movie, I mean, not the act of insomnia. No, Which just, movie? Al Pacino's Insomnia. Not the original Swedish Norwegian. Uh, no, I've never, I've never seen that. I just know of the one that Nolan did, where Al Pacino goes nuts on Robin Williams. It's a good movie. I don't like that movie. It's maybe my least favorite Nolan film. But it's better than other films. Because he didn't write it. I think it's my least favorite Nolan film. Though. No, that's no, that's fine. I'm just saying, like the the worst Nolan film is better than a lot of films. We, Fair, we can say sure, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, there's probably not another Nolan film that's even in, like, no, no contest with that. Right? Like, the, that's probably following. Universal following's statement. better than Insomnia, but that's like, yeah, and it's his, and, it, and it, it's, it gets you know extra credit for being his first film. Like, exactly. You don't you don't put that. Nobody's gonna be like, well, Ryan Johnson's worst film is Brick. Like, well, fuck you. Like, come on. <laughs> Who would the fuck would ever like, say that? Who's even <laughs> Who's even having wait, this conversation? Oh wait, I know they're trying to make another. The guys who say that are trying to remake one of his movies. So I get that. Uh, probably yeah, fair. Yeah. Just yeah. Like, hey, you like the Brothers Bloom. <laughs> Those teenagers talk like adults. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> why do they sound like Bogart? Only Bogart can sound like Bogart. Bang. Uh Speaking of transitions, do we have a <laughs> thing from Corinne this week? We do. We do. We have another catching up with the classics with Corinne. Great. Hey, nerds. Corinne here with part 13 of Catching the Classics, where I watch famous and popular movies I've never seen before and send in my reviews. This week, The English Patient. So I just want to say right off the bat that you guys, I don't know, you you felt, I felt like you built it up like it was going to be this horrible, like, long, drawn out, really boring movie. And it was not as bad as you had led me to believe. I, I was not, I mean, yeah, there were parts that were long and, well, I'll get into it later, but it wasn't that bad. Would I watch it again? Probably. Would I watch it again sometime this year? No, I'd take a couple of years before I'd see it again. But, you know, if it were up to me. But if, like, I don't know, somebody was like, I gotta sit down and watch this movie. Will you watch it with me? I'd say, sure, let me go get some alcohol first. So, going into this movie, I knew that Colin Firth was in it. I knew Ray Fiennes was in it. Uh, I knew it kind of took place i knew uh that it was like backwards or like told out of order chronologically i knew that it was kind of this sweeping romance set in world war ii um so things i liked about it i liked the soundtrack the look and the feel of the movie costumes sets it's a very just beautiful movie all around the performances are great but I guess the bad 
thing or things about it is this I don't really care for the characters. The story is it's okay. I don't mind it being told out of order, although I do feel like there are some scenes missing. Um the one one example I could give is whenever Colin First's character finds out that the two main people are having an affair and he is like sitting in the cab outside the hotel and we never like see any of the fallout from that or at least not any of the immediate fallout from that i mean we do find out i mean obviously he knows about the affair but we don't see any kind of tense scenes between him and Almashi or between him and Catherine it's i don't know I, I don't know if they were in there initially and they just took them out or if they just felt, eh, it would bog down the story too much, let's keep it going. Which I, I understand that. Like, you, it is a really long movie, so you do have to keep things going and you can't get bogged down in the weeds. But, I mean, the whole thing at the very end when um, Colin Firth's character crashes the plane into the desert, killing himself and injuring Catherine... It seems like that kind of came out of nowhere. Like, Catherine says that he must have known, but I guess there's, like, no build-up to it with his character of, you know, did he feel this kind of homicidal rage all along? This homicidal-slash-suicidal rage all along? Because it seems like a very drastic turn. Why did he all of a sudden want to kill himself and or Catherine and or Almashi, was it because of the war? Was it because everybody else had left? Like, why now? Like, why why all of a sudden are you doing this dive bomb with the plane trying to kill everybody? So I guess I'm just getting hung up on that because I love Colin Firth, and I'm like, I feel like you just wrote him out of the movie because you just had to have the two people fall in love in the desert or whatever. But, oh, that was the other thing that really bugged me was that really dramatic scene. And while I love the, the, you know, the way the shot is framed and the music that comes in, but whenever he's, like, carrying her through the desert and he sees the thimble that she's wearing, he's like, oh, you're still wearing it. And she's like, yeah, I always wear it. I've always worn it because I've always loved you. And this, like, sweeping dramatic music comes in, and the look on his face is just so pained, which I get. But it's like, why why, did, why are you making this out to be some kind of big dramatic reveal? She said multiple times earlier in the film that even though they weren't allowed to be together, she still was in love with him. Ugh, I don't know. I just, I didn't like them. I th- that's just me, though, because anytime there's, like, movie characters where, or a couple in a movie where one of them or both of them are married or in some kind of committed relationship and they're essentially cheating on their significant others to be together, I already am like, I'm sorry, I'm not on your side here. You can have the greatest romance in the world and I'm not going to root for it because... What you're doing is unethical and unfair to whoever your significant other is. So, just going to say that. That's me. So, overall, like, yeah, it was was okay. I was much, side note, I was much more invested in 
Hannah and Kip's relationship than I was in Almashi and Catherine's relationship. And there were some legitimately good scenes. The one where uh, Kip is defusing the bomb and the tanks are driving over the bridge. Those are really, really good scene. And I was, spoilers, genuinely surprised he didn't die in that scene. I mean, I was holding my breath. I'm like, oh no, Kip's gonna die. No, not Naveen Andrews. But thankfully he did not. So, anyway, um, I would give the English patient three, or if we can do the half point system, three and a half stars out of five. So, next week, not sure what I'm going to watch because hopefully I will have one or multiple special guests with me. So, I'll have to see what they're willing to watch, or at least what they're willing to talk about. So... Catch you all later, and hope you had fun at uh, Alita Battle Angel this week. Bye. Man, we really got to retitle this section, like, Corinne tortures herself on the cannon. <laughs> like, I, 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 uh... will, we, uh, I, will, I will say that it, we joke about the English patient a lot, mainly because of yeah. the year it came out and yes. how many things it interferes with. Um, but uh, it's not a bad movie. It's sure. a great film. Like, Minghella's... A, was a talented director. Unfortunately, more, he passed away in 08. More entertaining than the second half of Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> Which I would put it. You in just the don't same like bucket. talking about water. Um, God, it's so fucking boring. Um, but no, um, I, I mean, like, it's it's a decent film. Like, I actually, I find the interesting aspects of The English Patient more about its production and how it almost never got released more intriguing than the story itself sometimes. But. But it's Saul Zantz producing. It's one of the last things Saul Zantz like really like spearheaded in a big ass way, and also it's the film that launches Miramax into the fucking awards uh, uh, stratosphere. So it is responsible for all this pain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, though, John Seal, the the brilliant genius who was the DP behind Mad Max Fury Road, this is one of the limited projects that he shot like he, his huh. his filmography is not too long um, yeah so but yeah cool. i mean i'd actually like to rewatch it again at some point you know when i have fucking four hours to kill <laughs> but right yeah um i've never um, seen it but i'd like to give a shout out to corinne who also helped us this weekend yeah she, that oh, she kicked film shoot, so yeah. she kept everything uh in check and whatnot and yeah. made sure we thankless all job away. and she did it yeah so. we should like get her to share her list with us of like what's on there and then we should make some <laughs> suggestions for things. Prioritize that it. Are you trying to influence a, a, a journalist list? I'm trying to help. I just want to help her <laughs> because, dear Lord, <laughs> some some weeks I'm just like, oh, man. Cor Corinne, next week you should watch the second half of Lawrence Arabia. Don't Have watch the first seen, half. Right. <laughs> Have you ever seen They Live? They live is just as much canon as the English patients. I agree. Like, oh, I, I it, go watch some, They Live. Somehow more so in my mind. Yeah, because <laughs> that that fight is way better than anything in in They Live. <laughs> in uh, English patients, the fight between Keith um, David and Roddy Piper is uh, much much more deserving of an Oscar than yeah. anything the English patient received. 
Uh, and I only think of that because it's the first thing I saw when I looked over your shoulder. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, the so, show. Yeah, right. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just like Lon Chaney for... and the Phantom of the Opera is better than the English Patient. That is a well, definite sure. given. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sunrise. And, and that's a good piece of the canon. Exactly. Sunrise uh, with Janet that's, Gaynor is... That's not the canon. Is, Sunrise is pretty amazing. Uh, Treasure of the Sierra Madre. If she's never seen Treasure of the Sierra Madre, <laughs> that's definitely canon. Metropolis. No, no don't watch Metropolis. <laughs> Look, look, Metropolis is great, and and the grapes of wrath. God damn it, Zach! I like this is a great her. film. She's gonna murder her own person. I know. Like, uh, anyway, anyway, yeah. Thanks, thank, Corinne. Thank you, Corinne. Always appreciate it. For giving me a chance to do this bit visually oh. that no one else could see. I'll be praying for you. Oh God. Anyway, uh, what do you, what do you guys want to do next? You want to do news? I'm I'm down for news. Great or- news. It's real news. Uh, speaking of Miramax, uh, this week the Oscars tried to just just really wanted to piss people off. There was no reason for any of it. Um, it's amazing how quick there was. They're, they're trying to make a profitable show. Uh, yeah. yeah, well, they've been trying to do that for twenty years. At some point, they should just give up. Yeah, um, but, I mean, this year they cut out you know a host from the budget, so I don't even know why they needed to be profitable. Mm-hmm. Um, so the announcement was they were going to cut. Honestly, all of the <laughs> categories that I ever actually thought were worth seeing. And not super politicized. Uh, to be clear, the um, categories were live action shorts. Poli- political, I should be saying. Yeah, uh, live action short subject, uh, docu- or, uh, not document, um, do- uh, d- director of photography, editing, and makeup. makeup. Director of photography and editing are pretty essential to Maybe an actual film. We should also be clear that they weren't cutting the segments. Yes, they were they just, just weren't showing them on muting TV. them from the broadcast. Yeah, yeah but, but you could still people see were still the, getting awards. Yeah, and you but, would still see them on a live stream if you were watching it on the internet. Those were probably the only two awards that I felt like were given to that tended to be given to the most deserving film um not without a whole lot of like political or just, you know, maneuvering behind it. Um, or at least that, that we're I, aware of. That I felt of. like, you know, they were actually, you know... Well, cinematography is unique to cinema. Like, right. the Tonys don't have... Like, the Tonys have actors and directors and editors, right. like a stage manager, I guess, or and script writers, but Best cinematography guy kept is... the stage floor clean during each yeah. performance. The Grammys have yeah. singers and actors and... Yeah. And, you know, you made a good point online about, like, yeah, they've been doing all the technical ones for years, uh, which, fair. But there's a difference between, like, at some point... Well, people are arguing that, like, well, you know, yeah, they're still getting the awards and it's not televised, but it's like it's it's prioritizing the awards. It's like, right. well, yes, they've been Agreed. deprioritizing those th- other three technical awards. So why aren't you upset last year? <laughs> well, know? but but also to some degree, some of those have been in like created over the years as you know new yeah. <laughs> new technologies were were you know introduced. And also, but, there's awards. There's the governor's awards. There's a yeah, true. there's jobs in the film industry that don't get awarded at all, so that true. they don't even get yeah. airtime and that like oh, stunt yeah. people. But uh, also to yeah, some stunts. degree, you know, like honoring some of that stuff. Well, yeah, honoring some of that stuff uh, is honoring those teams, right? You go look at at um, Roger Deakins getting it last year, and he talked about you know he he really he said like this is really for all of the other people who work on my team and who I've worked with and. Um, so to some degree, it's it's trying to recognize that film. The other thing is that it it uh, at least for for the film savvy people who are watching their show, 
Um, it informs in a lot of ways future film marketing. Um, if you can go say like, hey, this per like people will recognize some of those names that they have seen win. Um, and sure, like it's not it's not makeup. But, mm-hmm. you know, DP and editing do pop up some, and, like, people do follow at least DPs. I'd argue um, makeup can, can given the right circumstances, like, Rick Baker's a no-name. Sure. Like, now, has yeah. he done anything in a while? Not really. Has but, he ever won an Oscar? Uh, he's won multiple. Oh, okay. Uh, Ed Wood and The Wolfman among them. Mm. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. But it comes down to is like, ABC has to sell <laughs> ad time, and they have to convince advertisers that appeal to not film nerds, but mainstream audiences sure. yeah, so exactly. they don't give a shit about oh, us guys. at the end of the day <laughs> at the end of the day they shouldn't give a shit about me there is nothing on the earth that will make me watch their fucking show mm-hmm. if they really care about like like the show honoring cinema they should put the show like let the contract expire and put the show on like the criterion channel or hbo yes uh, yeah. or, or like a or like prime dealy thing where they stream yeah. it through prime uh yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I mean, Ryan and I are the suckers who will watch it. Um, but Ryan has a bias. Ryan no. watches it for his wife because of their anniversary. Well, I don't have uh, a wife. I like watching it because I'm a masochist or say, say yeah, this, sure. apparently. But you know, I enjoy watching it because, like, I mean, like, there's a part of me that still enjoys that pageantry, regardless of sure. all the things I know that are behind it. But no, there's. Like, th- I think the thing that rubbed people the wrong way on this uh, is that John Bailey, the president of the Academy, is a cinematographer. And the fact that he cut out that category, while it, while on one end it does look like he's willing to give up even his own category in favor of making the show better, a lot of people saw it as a betrayal. I mean, if you look at that list of people of people in the industry who wrote that letter against it, like, clearly they were not happy with this decision. So I'd also like to point out the plan was to rotate the excluded category. So next year it would have been four different categories that wouldn't be televised. Yeah, exactly. So it wasn't like they were going to just relegate it to, I think what, I I don't know. Like, I mean, like I get why people are angry on every side of that situation, but at the end of the day, like, I mean, there was an article that came out that nobody's really talking about, which is award shows for the past six months have all been low ratings hitting the bottom of the tank. So I think that their days are numbered anyway. Yeah. I mean, what I would say, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll roll back my extreme statement a little bit, which is the only way to actually make people want to watch this thing is to make it more of a celebration of film and less a stodgy up its own ass, giving ourselves award. Like you got to go put in some montages and talk about some movies. You got to give a movie to fuck you. You got to give an award to fucking black Panther or the dark Knight, or like you gotta actually talk up like, celebrate the movies that people give a fucking shit about yeah. and the filmmakers that people give a shit about, right? Like Agreed, or you up the stakes. So the winner gets an Oscar. The four losers get shot out of a cannon. Yeah, like... <laughs> or find you, a way got... to make the decision, like, quanti- quantitative, like... Because it's all yeah. marketing and campaigning th- that decides right. what who chooses what for the award. So yeah. if it was a real, like... Yeah, there's there's specific merit as to why this is the best picture. Yeah, like because it it checked these boxes. Then yeah. Well, and I I think if you look at like how many talented people over the years we have lamented them being like they're they're people that people have followed for years and years and talked about how great they were. I think of Guillermo del Toro or Roger Deakins, right? Like here's these guys that that people who love film talked about those guys forever and it took them 
forever to get awards or to even really get celebrated. Like, mm-hmm. that's what they're missing. Like, you got to figure out a way to give some awards away every year that maybe aren't the, hey, this is the best this or the best that, but you are actually just honoring people who have been doing an amazing job. Contributions completely. to film. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's, like, that's what the AFI's Lifetime Achievement Award is, which I think... Yeah, but it's a Lifetime Achievement Award, right? But, like but, th- but I think that that's the closest we get right now, which, I mean, I wish we had more of it, yes. Sure. But the AFI, like, I mean, you know, the AFI is not perfect. It's like any other organization, but... I do like the show they put on because it does go through the career and it, it explicitly states why they are worthy of that award. Yeah, but if if instead of waiting till the end of somebody's life, like what if the same year that Pacific Rim came out, they gave an award to Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro, not because of Pacific Rim, but because of Blade Two, a, a long history of great films a celebrated career, his visual style being so different. Like if you went and did every year a 10 minute segment that celebrated somebody that people actually loved that was going to be sort of tear jerky and was going to actually be meaningful. Mm-hmm. Like that would be, that would be something worth tuning into. Well, that's, um, that's what the governor's ball contains. Sure. Yes, and but, that's what kind of sucks is that they don't do the honorary award on that show anymore. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, one of the coolest ones they did before he got his competitive Oscar was Ennio Morricone and having Clint Eastwood sure. get up there and talk about how much he loved Ennio Morricone. Right. Um, and, you know, like, or Blake Edwards one, like him crashing his fucking <laughs> his fucking wheelchair and then getting up and getting yeah. the award from Jim Carrey. Like, it's, th- these are things that I'd enjoy, but we don't get them. And, like, I've just learned to accept that. That's my point. My, my point is if you want to make a good show that actually talks to people who care about movies at home. Yeah. Like that's the th- that's what they're missing. Like yeah. instead, they treat it as like, hey, this is our chance to get, you know, X Y Z movie that's still in theaters or is getting re released to make a little more money mm-hmm. for this sort of dying structure that we're you know trying to protect. Um, well, at the same time, you know, really pretending like we stand for something. It's I, just I think it's the, a waste of time. I mean, the Academy is going to exist no matter what, but I think that the televising of it or the way they present those awards is going to change within the next five to ten years yeah. in a more drastic way than we're already seeing. So, But not this year because after pissing everybody off, they said, and we take it back, sorry. And not only that, they said, oh, yeah, 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 Bette Midler is going to sing a song. So <laughs> that'll be fun, right? Remember Beaches? Y'all remember Beaches? Everybody yeah. loves Beaches. Unless they had announced that, announced that Billy Crystal was hosting, I, I don't think there was anything there. I do. would be divided on that. I love Billy Crystal. On the other hand, I've seen Billy Crystal do things on that show that would boggle your mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of pissing people off, uh, this week we got a trailer for um, Aladdin from Disney. Uh, this is the live-action remake of Disney that kind of looks like it was made by the Asylum. Uh, this is... H- how do you describe New Genie? It's not even... so. It's nothing wrong with it, in my opinion. My biggest concern with this movie isn't Will Smith. As no, it's Genie. not. It, it isn't. That's the, it's I, that everything else looks not... Good. It's Guy Ritchie too, which sucks. I like Guy Ritchie. I don't love yeah, him. But this but is I like not him. what he does. I know, and that's what's concerning me. Um like it's if it were lock stock and two smoking barrels but in Saudi Arabia, yeah. that'd be dope as hell. Yeah, the um, and also like so like Jungle Book, obviously it's on green screens and stuff like that. But like I don't know if there's a difference between what Richie's doing and what Favreau's doing. But 
Everything you know. looked like it was coming straight out of George Lucas's offices. Like, well, and is... I think part of it is that there's no. This is a movie where there is a lot of performance. Yeah. Or there, there's a lot of like actual people, I should say, right? By con- by contrast to Jungle Book, right? But the footage and they're showing us isn't inspiring that, right? There's not a lot of performance here, and yeah. so I think I guess what I mean is what I th- this one hangs very heavily on the romance. They need to put out a trailer that makes me really want those two people to fall in love and have no genie in it, because you could sell the the Disney movie or the the animated movie on the genie because he's the crutch that holds that movie up. Um, like, he is the entertainment factor, right? But I think that's also the most divisive and, part of this for, for a lot of people. Oh, yeah, it doesn't look So good. I think that this was always going to be a problem no matter what they did. Uh, now, the only thing I can think is that the genie pops up like that and he's big and blue and then immediately turns himself into Will Smith in, uh, you know, Arabic clothes and spends the rest of the movie just looking like Will Smith. Because if they don't do that... I don't know what they were thinking. Uh, um, I I don't know. We'll see. It's the least. It's the Disney film I'm the least interested in seeing. Tim Burton's Dumbo looks way better than the film uh, than the than the film Aladdin looks right now, at least in my eyes. You know what would be great? They have all the audio. They could have just gone and made a CG version of Robin Williams's performance. Uh, that'd be. I don't know if that'd be. Respectful Brad's just shaking all. his head like I like. In- I'm fine with the Will Smith thing. Like the only thing I I was like, how come he's not translucent? But. <laughs> oh, sure. That's like, fair. It, and the CG's probably through, not done. Well, they, yeah, they they went through the trouble of making him a CG, a CGI. Like, they could have just filmed him live action, but they still made him a CGI. Like, he moves like a CGI character yes. with Will Smith's right. face, Yeah, which seems odd to me that they would do that, but... Um. Yeah. At that point, like, why? Why wouldn't he be trans? Like, why are they making him like a solid character? Yeah. Um. I. I think even in the Disney version, he's translucent. Um. I haven't watched it in a while, but. Um. Well, at least like his sort of. Well, tail like is. the bottom end is a little more translucent yeah. than the top. He's kind of like a ghost, and there's a glowy factor <laughs> on it. I, I, I yeah, mean, I the glow, se- but I haven't seen Aladdin in a while, to be honest. Um. Probably. I forget what that tip what started from. Oh, Will Smith looks weird. Yeah, Will Smith's oh. like not being translucent or. But I'm fine with it. Like. It's it would be sillier to me to like go through the trouble of doing a live action version and then just like porting over clips of Robin Williams from the first movie oh, that uh, to be clear I I was being sort of facetious because oh. mostly just because But they... online I've seen people complain like why isn't it Robin Williams like why oh, isn't no, it Robin really? Williams yeah Oh I was uh... kind of joking I'm just like and then the, the, are then they really did people... it they'd be like how dare you dishonor Robin Williams' oh, memory like super. this Wait, It's there... a really distasteful thing that's why I said uh, it as uh, a joke yeah. Are there really people asking why Robin Williams isn't doing it <laughs> <laughs> because if so we've got a bigger problem than Will Smith well, playing people the genie People it's a, again that thing like you know movies are so sacred that they can't be touched and it's just like you know, if people treated that like to theater, like n- stories would never have transcended yeah. time. Like they'd be stuck in. Like you, you, you have to remake stuff to keep it in the consciousness and make yeah. it relevant. Yeah, exactly. Like the the, the, the uh, some of the earliest classics that we regard in high cinema today are remake. The Maltese Falcon is a fucking the, remake. The English Patient. The English Patient is an adaptation of a book. Um, no, the Maltese Falcon. Like Frankenstein was made thir- three times in silent format before they got it right with James Whale. Like. Yeah, this is cyclical. Like I talked about this one, like like years ago, in trying to explain it, like on a, it's just like there's, these stories get retold for a reason. It's not to piss you off, and like honestly, we're the only culture within the past twenty to thirty to forty years that's given a shit about remakes the way, uh, the way we are. Like before that, no one was really giving a shit about like, oh, a remake. How dare they dishonor the original? And yeah. if it pisses you off, don't go see it because honestly, the, Disney only does this because it makes them a lot of 
Yeah, yeah they have, they have three like high profile remakes in this year alone. Oh like, yeah, exactly. Because uh, Lion I, King's coming out. I'm worried about all of them yeah. for different reasons. Um, I'm the least worried about Dumbo. But also, I'd say oh, I'm like the least worried about Lion King. My fear uh, of this one is too is like it's almost too close to the like. If yes, you're gonna remake it, exactly. make it different. Right. Uh, like he should not be like he, he should be a blue be big genie. And blue. Yeah. Um and. You know the the, the uh, costumes and production design should be some like more different. Like right. they even do like the 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 lion faced cave thing. Like that could be something yeah, different. It could be anything. Um, if you're gonna do it again, do it differently. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Stand out. Like yeah. a lot of it's a, a, a miss, but at least you tried. You know. Right. Yeah, because some of what's great about Jungle Book is how much of it is different and how the story has changed, and like you don't quite know where it's gonna go. Right. Um. I mean, like, uh, yeah, and. I mean, I don't know. Like, it's not like it. I saw all three of those remake trailers back to back to back when I went to see Mary Poppins at Dolby Atmos because it was like all tailored specifically for Disney that night. And 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 like the barrage of it hit me, and I was just like, I can't wait till August, September, October, November when all the when all the awards films come out because at least they'll be different. But at the same time, I was like, you know what? Some of these will be fun. Yeah, I want to see. Danny DeVito and Michael Keaton working with Tim Burton again. So if this is where it gets me, okay. Sure. <laughs> you just seem so angry that I want to see Batman and no, the Penguin no, no. in a Tim Burton movie no, again. That's fine. <laughs> that's all the news. Yeah, that's all the news, please. That's, there's nothing else. <laughs> uh, Frozen it? 2, moving on. Uh, we got a uh, go, James. Netflix is making a Breaking Bad movie. Uh, about Jesse, it seems like. Jesse. Uh, so that's weird. No Skyler, um, but Jesse. Uh, Red Zonia is on hold because because of, of, because a man did stuff. Brian Singer. Yep. yep. Um, dude. He's getting real close to you know I back when when all of the wine scene this happens I remember specifically his name being one of those where I'm like hey we gotta be careful not to judge everybody like we don't have a lot of evidence on this stuff. And then if you read that article from the Atlantic, um, yeah, hi, we've got a lot of evidence on some stuff. So yeah. eh, maybe Brian Singer should take a break for a while while we investigate him for crimes. Yeah. Um, amongst other things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah also from the sounds of it, that apocalypse movie is going to be, or the the X Men movie is going to be really bad. But that's Simon Kinsberg. Yeah, that's Simon Kinsberg's issue. Still, that's not that's not. Um, uh, <laughs> Kenan Thompson is going to remake all that on uh, Nickelodeon. Oh yeah, which is the or do I want that most exciting know. SNL news I've ever heard? Yeah, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I, that, I would, that'd be interesting. That's a show that should exist. Yeah. I don't know why it still doesn't. Here's my worry: is that they're going to shove in too much nostalgia into it. To oh, get no. other people to watch it virally, like you would try uh, to get some of the older cast members back. I'm like, no, just start fresh. Well, okay, Keenan Thompson's a producer. You just get a new cast of kids to go yeah. off and do sketches. That's all you got. That's do. what. Yeah, I, that's what I, they should. They should go market that thing to kids who watch Nickelodeon. Yeah, like I don't um, need like a cameo by. Um, it's not a show I'm gonna watch, but kids today should have it. Yeah. What, what was the name of the gal who did like the news portion? Like Amanda Laura, Bynes? Laura, Laura, Oh, Laura, oh, her, yeah. Lori Beth or Mary. Yeah. And it'd be kind Lori of fun Beth to have. Something. Yeah, yeah. Lori Beth. Something like she, she, I mean, like I'd love to see her like involved in it in some capacity. But do I do need do I need her on like screen every Danny episode? Danny Trachtenberg no. is going to pop up. <laughs> it would actually be kind of cool, or not? Danny Trachtenberg. Tamborelli. Um, uh, ten, yeah, Danny Tamborelli. Um, Danny Trachtenberg is busy. 
Yeah, making working on my shit. Eleven Cloverfield Lane. Uh, <laughs> no, he's making the Uncharted movie, man. Oh, uh, that's right. I right now, yeah, you know, until David O. Russell until gets it back. Until somebody else, <laughs> you son of a bitch. Um, uh, you know, it would kind of be cool. Like I could see you're right. What they would probably end up doing is having some of the original cast pop up every now and then. Um, to do like a good burger sketch or whatever. No, Kel Partially can't do that. Just... He's hosting a dog show right now that I saw <laughs> on Sunday morning one oh day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Um, partially just, you know, to get a few nostalgic people to pop in, but yeah. hopefully the rest of the show would be, you know, um, get some sketches in there. Is and this, honestly, it's... I think you could just go take some of the old sketches and do them again with a new cast and, sh- and sell them to kids today and it'd probably be fun. Um, also keep the original theme song though. I don't want a dubstep remix of, uh, this is all that. This is all that. Man. Wow. We should produce music, James. <laughs> no. Uh, Brad, are you, are you excited to watch your favorite things fight each other in Batman versus the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Yeah, they're animating that comic book that I read. Yeah. Um, my only question is, I don't remember Batgirl being in it, and in that photo, she's wearing her modern costume, and then Batman's yeah. wearing his 80s stuff, That's and then true. Robin's well, like in his... 90s 2000 stuff isn't the uh the bold uh batman brave and bold or whatever it was called uh um isn't that sort of what this costume is too that one from a few years ago that i thought the animation was shitty on well that was because it was like nostalgic for the 70s and 80s batman costume sure. yeah yeah it just happened to be a modern show i just meant that might be why they picked it's, that it's, costume. it's a funnier version. well in the in the the comic which they're adapting it's it's the black costume so i'm just like oh, I see. that's weird yeah, but I don't care. I'll take it. It'll be great. Batgirl looks cool. In that Even if it's time. terrible, it'll be great. <laughs> was the book good? Uh, it's it was uh interesting. Like it's it's only six issues, so it's, it's short. Maybe they um, won't even touch the same story you did. Maybe they're just lifting the concept. Yeah, they might be. Uh, there's actually like two series. So there was like a another six books that expanded on it, which I haven't read yet. Mm-hmm. So they might maybe Batgirl's in that, and they're going to combine all of them. And there's actually a third series coming out this year or next year so they might do all of them joker because it's like uh because of dimension x they cross over the worlds and all like the rogues gallery batman's rogues gallery interacts with the the turtles rogues gallery oh, man. so there's dimension crossing which might be it why there's sense. a different looking batman there's ninjas in both joker oh, i've man. given you unlimited technology <laughs> that'd be cool like batman falls through a portal and ends up going and finding the batgirl from the modern books yeah, I'll be cool. Yeah, if they kind of like get, if they get absolutely not ridiculous, but like crazy, but like get, get nuts with this thing. Right? You know, some kind of multiverse. Yeah, going mm. on. Batman into the Batverse. Radical idea. Mm, Batman into the <laughs> Batman into the Turtleverse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we're gonna end with uh, two real quick fantastic news to make things happy. Okay. Uh, first is that Ryan Johnson is still making Star Wars movies. Uh, despite how hard the internet tried and Russia tried to, to defeat him. <laughs> um, this but, is the yeah. times we live in. The internet and Russia tried to stop a man who loves movies from making a movie. Well, I think in, in light Good of like, America, in light of like all of the, the story around like, Hey, we're slowing down on, slowing down on Star Wars movies and yeah. we canceled the, the, any sequels to Solo. The which, Berber Fett. Yeah. And, and, and Boba Fett, um, and, you know, I, I think we all sort of thought like, well, maybe that's getting backburnered or whatever, you know, and he's making Knives Out or releasing Knives Out this fall. Yeah. Um, which looks dope. And we'll win him his Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So I think that, you know, anyway, so there was a tweet this week where Screen Rant asked, uh, basically asked him, and he was like, no, I'm still working on it. I'm I'm still going to make a trilogy of films. It's, it's we're, Everything is fine. Yeah. It's, everything is fine. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of everything is fine, uh, while we're not necessarily getting a Paddington 3, um, they're making a cartoon show. I know, with Ben um, Wishaw. It's the same Paddington. Yeah, exactly. This is 100% like Paddington. You know, hey, you know what's better than Paddington 3? Mm-hmm. A whole lot more Paddington. Yes, yeah, so thank you. More Nickel- than just an hour of Paddington. So thank you, Nickelodeon, for saving Henry Jarvis's life. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, because I will watch. This. And Henry, that fake cancer letter totally worked. It'll be the first Nickelodeon show I've watched since The Legend of Korra. Yeah. Which I guess wasn't that long, but still. They got, um, they, they've got they got fine shows and whatnot. Did they have, yeah. like, yeah, I don't know, in the 80s or 90s, like, kind of a low budgety animated Paddington? You know, it I was don't like know. 2D. I didn't, I didn't know. I think that's a thing. I barely knew anything about Paddington until... You got IMDb there. You can just type in Paddington and it'll tell you. Uh, yeah, but it's doing other things right now. I can do it then. No, I'm doing it. All I remember about Paddington prior to the movies was Kevin Smith and Scott Moser talking about it as if it was an Ingmar Bergman movie and it was hilarious. Uh, no. What, what they I... called him Station Bear. <laughs> I clicked on the character of Paddington and it didn't take me to the Paddington fail. List. That this is, is stupid. What? And then when I click on, when you click on the movie for Pad- the uh, first Paddington movie, yeah, there it is. Top pa- build isn't Paddington. Paddington Bear TV series, nineteen seventy six to nineteen ninety three. Yeah, probably mm-hmm. like a limited animation thing. Oh, and there's another one, The Adventures of Paddington Bear, ninety seven to two thousand thirteen. Oh shit! That means it was extreme because it was in the late and then 90s, a TV early series 2000s. from eighty nine to ninety. There's yeah. been plenty of Paddington on TV. It was called Paddington Evolution. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> it was one where Paddington was in high school. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you referenced X Men Evolution. <laughs> his, his his mom was what's her face. I loved X Men Evolution. I don't remember great. a damn thing about it, but I remember loving it. Uh, Rogue's in that one. Rogue's mom is what's her face. I don't remember at all. <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, um, uh, anyway, was that your news? That was my news. Um, I wanted to bring up two things really quickly. They're not really sad. Are they sad? No, they're not. They're, there are two passings, but they're not sad. Um, two film archivists died this week, and I wanted to bring attention to them. Uh, Ron Hutchinson. This sounds exciting. Yeah, Ron Hutchison uh, died at 67. He was the he was part That's of the spearhead of the Vitaphone Project, which saved a lot of early silent and sound films from the Vitaphone Warner Brothers era, hmm. which are the foundation for the te- some of the technology that we now enjoy today. Um, among those things, Don Juan, the jazz singer, a lot of vaudeville shorts and early cartoons, um, and also Dave Smith, from the Walt- who founded the Walt Disney Archives, died this week as well. Uh, these two people uh, saved a lot of the shit you guys love collecting and enjoying and memeing about, so... Without them, you don't have access to this shit. So that was my big prop because, like, the Vitaphone stuff means more to me than the Disney stuff does. But it all means something at the end of the day. Like, this is stuff you want to – like, the unsung heroes of film, the film world, are easily the the people who preserve it, you know? Right. Um, Except for Martin Scorsese. He gets a lot of praise, but he also does that as well, so – and Spielberg, too, actually. He's made a couple good movies. Lucas did it for a while, and then he decided to stop doing that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, uh, Ron Hutchison and Dave Smith, they will be missed. Yeah. Uh, cool. I think that's news. Cool. Uh, what have you guys been watching? So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. What have you been watching? Uh, literally not that much. Um, I've been revisiting. St- I'm still doing Star Trek Next Generation. Um, I'm almost done with season three. Um, 
yeah, I mean, like this is the, obviously the where it's, everything starts getting great. Um, I uh, although the uh, episode with uh, 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 Troy's mom uh, getting captured by the Ferengi guy and then uh, basically toying with Picard's affections at the end of the episode is still one of the mo- most hilarious things I've ever seen because you get to watch Patrick Stewart do fake acting, which is really hilarious. I think Patrick Stewart's really like his genius is that he's able to play multiple levels in the, in a single scene and he's pretty damn good at it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm enjoying that. Um, I'm almost at the best of both worlds. Um, uh, the Sarek episode is probably my favorite of the rewatch mainly because I'm such a big TOS fan. And so I like the scene where Patrick Stewart is, uh, living in Sarek's mind, um, after the mind meld and talking about all the things Sarek wishes he could say, but he can't cause he's a Vulcan and they repress their emotions. Um, so yeah, can't wait to keep going. Cool. Uh, get to some Borg shit. Uh, the only other two things that I watched though were, um, uh, rewatched a documentary called the brothers Warner and, uh, it's a, it's a documentary by, Henry Warner's, um, or Harry Warner's granddaughter. Um, she made a documentary about the family that you Harrietta know, Warner. Yeah, Harry, <laughs> no, Cassie, Cassie Warner Sperling. Um, she made a documentary. I mean, I've seen this a couple times. It's a, it's a great doc. I mean, not not the most like fancily produced doc, but like for a doc that came in in the early two thousands, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, has a lot of great interviews with people like Roy Disney and Sam Goldwyn Jr. and all that. So George Siegel uh, has a great way of describing Jack Warner. It's pretty fucking hilarious. Uh, probably the most adorable, one of the two most adorable things in the world is uh, Haskell Wexler, uh, noted cinematographer, trying to describe his love for Looney Tune cartoons, uh, and Angela Lansbury teaching me how to speak Yiddish. Uh, they're pretty adorable little clips um, mm-hmm. in uh, an otherwise very educational documentary. Uh, and then the last thing I rewatched was Forbidden Planet on Blu-ray, uh, which I haven't watched in a long time. Uh, I still love the hell out of this movie. Yeah. It's really great. It's the foundation for a lot of sci-fi. Like, like some people will be like, you know, Star Wars just ripped up Star Trek. Well, yeah, well, Star Trek just ripped off Forbidden Planet. <laughs> like I would adore a remake of Forbidden Planet. I would, too. I think the idea... I don't know how you do it. Well, but... you, you you build it off of the creature of it, right? Yeah. So you make it a, 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 a space story. I don't necessarily need a Morbius character in one. No, no, You no. could play you, with the id monster. You just take the idea of the, of the id monster... And build all completely different story around it. That's a cool space epic thing. Yeah, um, for, you know, you make it like Lost in Space. Exactly. Yeah. For, for anybody who doesn't know Forbidden Planet's story, uh, it stars uh, Detective Frank Drebin, uh, and he's somehow found his way into a spaceship. Gotcha. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, but no, it's a it's a group of uh, people in like, I guess it's the space military. That was a that was a naked gun joke, right? Yeah, of course. No. Yeah, okay. I just want to make sure, you know, because yeah. naked gun not very good. Forbidden yeah. Planet better movie. Surely you can't be serious. Um, also not a good movie. <laughs> no, shut up. Uh, <laughs> Airplane's great. Forbidden Planet might be the only good Leslie Nielsen film. Ah, oh, you're so wrong. Um, but um, Dracula Dead and Loving It. Anybody? Um, Mr. McGoo. Yeah, R- Ryan. Why aren't you here to defend me? Um, but uh, no, because he mean, watched too many Les- Leslie Nielsen films and now he's throwing up everywhere. <laughs> Um, but anyway, a space force lands on a planet. They're supposed to make contact with a guy named uh, Morbius. 
Uh, he doesn't want to go with. He them. might be evil. Yeah, his he, name is Morbius. He might be evil, but you'll have to watch the movie and find out. And meanwhile, also watch all of his officers hit on Morbius's hot daughter. <laughs> but <laughs> the, the, I, this is my hot daughter. She's going to follow us around while I give you a tour. I, like one of them's trying to say, like you know, a kissing is good for things. Like, well, let's try it. They kiss once. I, I, how about one more time? How about one more time? And then cut to the next scene. Like talking to Leslie Nielsen, going like, "Well, I haven't you kissed me? Everybody else on the crew has kissed me." I'm like, "Damn it!" <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and also Robbie the robot is an amazing creation yeah. for cinema. There's a great little doc on the Blu-ray about Robbie the robot, how he's constructed, what he's constructed of, and how fanboys have taken that way too far. And it's pretty awesome. Like, so one made him a made a one out of microprocessors. That's pretty damn cool. He's one of the coolest looking. Maybe the coolest looking piece of like classic sci-fi design. Yeah, it's because like, it, it's uh, it's it's the first time a robot in cinema history looks like a robot yeah. and like feels real and doesn't look like cardboard crap. Um, and the uh, the the God that Blu-ray is fucking amazing. They have an additional feature that starred Robbie the robot as Robbie the robot meets a little kid or something like that. I, it's called the Invisible Boy or something like that. I haven't watched it yet, but. I plan on watching it at some point. But there's also an episode of the Thin Man TV show where inexplicably Robbie the Robot needs help from the Thin Man or the Thin Man detective Nick Nick Charles solving a mystery. I don't know how Dashiell Hammett ever figured that into one of his novels, but um, but yeah, no. I mean, Forbidden Planet is great. That Blu-ray looks amazing mm-hmm. uh, on that player. The soundtrack, um, where it's just the tonalities. Is some of the most. It's, it's still some so of the most beautiful. It, it's it's the foundation for a lot of electronica music and electronica scores we enjoy today. I remember making fun of the score to that movie so hard when I first saw it. But do you? I like, mean, making fun is a strong word. But yeah. Like, but you you listen to it and you're just like, I, I actually I very I can remember standing in my parents' kitchen and like watching that movie on TV. Yeah. And and joking with my dad like. What is this sound? Like, what is it supposed to be? Like, because it, it's it's kind of diegetic. Like, it's not really, but it's like when they're in the factory, things sound a certain way, and so it's it's it's, it's almost like, like these drip drop effects, but they're not quite drip. Right? Yeah, yeah. it's super weird. What what's, what sucks is like so we have a lot of stuff on Ben Burt making the sounds for Star Wars. There's very little in here about how. Uh, those two, the, they're a husband and wife team, made the tonalities. They just talk about what they did and how they couldn't get a score credit because the musicians' unions didn't consider it music, <laughs> which is BS, in sure. my opinion. Right. Uh, only because, like, I mean, if I were to isolate that soundtrack and get it on iTunes, which I'm really compelled to do, I would fall asleep to that because it's very peaceful. On it is, its own. yeah. It's a cool, it's, again, like, like a quintessential piece of science fiction. Yeah, it's it's almost um, like the sci-fi version of what Carter Burwell does for No Country for Old Men, where it's just tones, yeah. you know? I, al- I also have the poster for that hanging at our house, uh, oh, nice. because I've had it for years, and I remember when I first hung it up, uh, when I, like, I don't know, in college, something like that, right? Uh, and I was living at home at the time, and my mom saw it and was like, that's not the real poster, is it? And I was like, yeah. She's like... That's a really risque poster, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's the way posters work. That's how like, you got the kids to see it. Part, ah. of, part of what's so fun about it is like, is that a dope ass robot holding a pretty much naked woman on the cover of that poster? Yeah, yeah, it's but, amazing. But it's and it's a misleading poster because Robbie the robot would never harm a human, right? Um, but uh, but also like just in general on that film though, like I I, I don't know how else to describe it. Like Walter Pigeon is 
probably after rewatching this, I've just tried to conclude this in my head. Probably one of the best non-traditionally horror sci-fi actors ever to star in one of these kind of projects because he sells it so damn well. And I think the fact that MGM's putting a lot of prestige behind the picture helps it, even though it's one of their low-end things at the time. But Pigeon fucking sells Morbius, man. He fucking sells that role so hardcore. In an age where people of Pigeon's age were probably like, what the fuck is a spaceship? <laughs> you know, like, it's it's pretty damn amazing. So, so yeah, Forbidden Planet. Um, cool. And, and that, that that's all I watched this week. Cool. Brad? Uh, first thing I watched was um another VHS documentary called VHS Massacre, which is a uh, more from like a trauma perspective of basically what I watched I think last week or the week before. Uh, I forget what that VHS documentary is called. Like the Rewind or whatever. Was it Rewind This? I think it was Rewind This. Yeah, Rewind This. I think is the one you did. Uh, it was like more of a low budget version of that. Uh. <laughs> Because it, it follows, like, I think three guys who also do a podcast mm-hmm. uh, about VHS. and uh, <laughs> uh, We should stop them. <laughs> so is there an underground, like, appreciation for oh, yeah. VHS? Oh, yeah. Um, They're aware that it's, like, a completely inferior way to watch pretty much everything. Yeah, right? and I'll kill them no, for No, both documentaries <laughs> bring that up for sure. Okay. Because uh, it's not like vinyl where you could make the argument of like, no, man, it sounds so great. But there is still, especially with like horror movies, there's still uh, something about like the low quality makes sure. the horror movies. You're not a fan of horror movies, so you won't no. appreciate it. But the lower quality that makes sense makes the horror. Just, and I, I I see this too when I watch it. Like uh, it just feels like wrong. More like dirty. more voyeuristic yeah. Uh, yeah. in the quality. So it's less of like a cinematic experience and more of like just raw. Well, scare scares and horror and and I I can see how the the quality of the picture allows you to fill it in a little bit better right like you're not going to hides it all and, the bad effects too. right yeah, exactly yeah. yeah I mean that that I think is a great argument and to be clear I'm a guy who you know loves the Stranger Things packaging still has his copy his VHS copy of Star Wars from when he was a kid right yeah. like I have some of those as display items but I would never put in a VHS copy of Raiders of the Lost Ark in order to watch Raiders of the in Lost Ark. In full frame. No. In full frame. Yeah, exactly. Here, here's like, here's the way I best describe it. My former guest on the show, Matt Willix, um, he and I, when we were in film school, uh, one Halloween we put Salem's Lot in a VHS player that was conveniently like cross-cable hookup to an HDTV. Mm-hmm. And it because the because it's not upscaling anything because it's just literally feeding off the image. It got the same re, we get, we got the same image that we would have gotten out of a tube TV. Sure, and it looked amazing in terms of this is how we would have watched Salem's Lot if we had snuck it out of the library or at the VHS store. Yes, yeah. so there is a tangible sense of nostalgia attached to it too, and in, in addition to the yeah. voyeuristic aspect, and also VHS probably has the most titles of any format sure yeah and a lot of those have been lost to time because they weren't profitable so they didn't make the jump to dvd yeah. or blu-ray so that's another thing like all these lost indie like when uh when vhs first came out like mom and pop stores needed anything to fill right. the shelves yeah and then eventually blockbuster in the studios you know they're late to the game but they have the most money to take it over and so they forced all those titles out so there's just like all these lost titles that are these you know low budget gems 
Uh, and that's what the collector's market is for. Cool. They go around finding all these. Okay. Yeah, you know. But it's not, it's not people who are like, oh, man, I get this copy of Groundhog's Day that I watch all the time on both, VHS. Both documentaries I watched, they've all pointed out that like wherever you go, there's always a copy of the two-pack of Titanic. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's the most <laughs> they, I bet. Garage sales, sure ARC, yeah. Goodwill. Yeah, like, oh, they dude, all, I, I see yeah. that. Uh, sometimes I see the rare special edition versions even, in the blue packaging. Even Fellowship of the Ring got a two-pack. A, 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 like, two no, it's only a one VHS. No. You know I know that because I've seen it. Multiple times in my store, but I'm pretty sure I've seen the a two pack version of it. Do you want? Do you want to trust the man who works at the thrift store? <laughs> um, I certainly can't believe they ever made two versions of it. So, um, I I will say though, like there the within that VHS realm, like like that's how Charlie that's how we get Charlie Band movies, like fucking Puppet Master and shit like that. But like also like a lot of those classic films that Ryan and I adore so much, and you do, and you guys do too as well. Sure. Oh, yeah. Like they master, like you said, so many titles. Like there, are, there are titles that you can still only get on VHS, sure, or find a film print at a at a film school somewhere in USC. Uh, the yeah. Disney Channel original film Brink is only available on VHS. No, I made nope. sure those were all expensive. put in a fire. <laughs> it's on digital now. I, I think I saw it on Prime oh. or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. but I can't get a Blu-ray. <laughs> what I want is a Blu-ray. Yeah, I want a material piece of material. Real material to oh, hold wait, in my hand. Maybe I saw it on the Disney store. Like the points rewards. <laughs> oh. All right, I'm going to check. Yeah. Did you go to the mall from 20 years ago? Anyway, <laughs> back to the documentary yeah. I watched. Yeah. Uh, so there's interviews with like Lloyd Kaufman. Uh, uh, Greg Sestero has a thing in there. Uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker, they're finding like the first VHS copy of the dub of the South Park Christmas special. Right. Um so those things are interesting, but all of those interviews about like the, all the different aspects of the industry, like uh, like porn making VHS, you know, the, the top format, Netflix taking over, they right. go through a lot like rewind this, but just like lower quality filmmaking. They get, and then that's all surrounded by them going to different stores and trying to track down what they want because their goal is to each p- find a video, um, and the, it's, it's called what with a VHS masker is each of the g- people in the podcast are going to pick one thing and then force the others to watch it and critique mm. it and stuff. So, okay. But then they go to these VHS stores and like, you know, at the end of the segment, they're like, uh, yeah, this famous store in New York is now closed six months after we did the documentary. Cause, oh. um, you know, this, they obviously property ownership in New York is super expensive, but, uh, it's a dying brand. So that's, that's actually seems like so. it's, that's a, I want to watch that one over the rewind this one, yeah. to be honest, because it seems more like homegrown a little bit. Like it's like that going attractions thing. Well, at the it's, drive-in, it's you know? like the same. It's like the same documentaries rewind this, but like less research, uh, less oh. exposure, and less. You know, it's yeah. It's it's more yeah like a student made one than uh-huh. rewind this, where it's like it feel felt like very much like a South by Southwest, right? Uh, yeah, submission. Um. Yeah, that's about about that. But they also showed like prof like there's still some fans of VHS that have open stores that still succeed. Obviously Scarecrow Video yeah. in Seattle and stuff like that. Yeah, you have plenty of places you can find this stuff. Yeah, it makes me want to open my own. Like but again not, probably not the best time to do it in Denver. That's less enthusiastic than Randall was about wanting to buy the Quick Stop <laughs> himself, man. <laughs> I buy an old AT and T store and <laughs> yeah, turn to a VHS store and do it by ourselves. 
Uh, yeah, we'll do it. We got the money. <laughs> uh, the next thing I watched for the first time was Logan's Run. Ooh. Wow. Um, Heck yeah. Speaking of sci-fi <laughs> classics. Yeah. that's Actually, Logan's Run is a sci-fi classic. It is. A, yeah. Yeah. Um, story-wise, it's okay. Um, it's very 70s. <laughs> yeah, very 70s. Yeah. Um, the only thing I really, like, enjoyed was just, like, the 70s production design. Mm. Um HD obviously hurts it because the whole, uh, I guess, bubble they live in is a <laughs> just a model. <laughs> yeah. So you see all these, like, it's like a train model. So you just see, like, little fake trees. You and see all the it's lines. Like the, little it's car- like the beginning of MST3K. <laughs> or like the beginning of a Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they actually live in the, a futuristic version of Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. Uh, Hello, that's... neighbor. Are you over 30? <laughs> yeah. The concept... And the concept concept is I creative. love children, but no one else. <laughs> and it's a, it's an interesting concept of like, um, you know, this society that's like kind of lost touch with like what it means to be human. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like once they leave the bubble that they live in, and they just kind of like, oh, here's, you know, we used to bury people in the ground, and they just didn't go up in the whatever I forget what they call it, but they don't get oh, sick. Yeah. Um, claimed by the whatever thing they made up to like it's called Zalem Zalem no okay oh because the movie watched today <laughs> um, uh, but yeah Logan's if you don't know what I'm talking about Logan's Run is about this society, future society where when you turn the age of 30 um, you have to just die um, and people are really proud of that so they go they all have like a big old uh, ceremony for it and a bunch of people line up in a circle and they get sucked into the ceiling um and everyone treats it like they've gone on to a better place uh the place we're all intended to go uh when really they're just being like frozen and stored uh in a warehouse in the bubble somewhere um and people are starting to figure that out and so there's like this rogue faction and the computer that kind of decides how everyone lives perfectly in this youthful world um sends logan uh on a mission to infiltrate that society and eradicate them. But they also fuck him over <laughs> by accelerating his life. Yep. Uh, so he has incentive to help these people and screw over the machine that's, you know, ruining his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they expose everything. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a great sci-fi concept, but it, it's right. long and uh, really just like this production design is all that really like. So is this captured of, my imagination? Is this one of the only like seventies like weird out there sci fi films you've seen like like in terms of that kind of like concept? Like have you seen Soylent Green or fucking like uh, I want to I mean I've, I, w- I want to know what you think of Soylent it's Green. The, it's <laughs> it's pervasive enough in pop culture that I'm like you know Soylent Green is people yeah. movies over All what? Right. <laughs> but it but the movie itself is pretty awesome. It's it's like. And I was going to make this comment anyway, but it's like there's this whole genre of sci-fi films from that time that are like single sentence pitch sci-fi films. Yeah. And the problem with them is that it's like, oh, Logan's Run. Like, oh, man, what if when you turn 30, they just killed you? Yeah. And then that's sort of it. Like, there's not, it's not like you don't walk away and you're like, oh, man, that movie was really cool and had a lot of stuff going on. And like, like it, you know, it's just an easy sort of a quick pitch that I I never feel like a lot of them don't really go anywhere. It's almost like they're so of their time that they've yeah. become too much of a joke, but like, I, I'm serious, I would love to know what you think of Soylent Green if you ever decide to watch yeah. it, because it's, it's interesting, and I 
think other than Planet of the Apes, it's my favorite Charleston Heston movie. You haven't seen Planet of the Apes either. I, uh, the, oh, Tim, okay. the Tim Burton one, so... But and uh, again, yeah, no, that's that's not that real. That, again, no, that's, that's a lie. You watched a lie. Is and sure, you, you know the ending, but yeah, I watched planet. part of it at Starfest last year, oh. and I was like, oh, "What else can I do?" First twenty minutes of, <laughs> where they're walking so through the desert is like, so fucking. Those so are great oh, things. No, so no, it's not. So I remember watching Planet of the Apes, and Planet of the Apes is great if you could just skip the first twenty minutes. Oh, you're so um, I'm not. They walk through the fucking desert forever. Because you've got to get to know those characters. You've got to know what no. Taylor's upset. No, I also, I also saw 2001 for the first time last year, and so it just reminded me of like the monkey part of 2001. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I was like, that makes sense. I think they're the same yeah, year, actually. Sure, the same things but going the, on. When, when, uh, a lot of desert stuff. Me and my dad and my brother watched Planet of the Apes for the first, for at least what was my brother and mine's first time. I was probably nine or ten. Right. Um. So we we started watching it, and we're in that first fifteen to twenty minutes, and we paused it, you know, to go get popcorn or something, and we sort of made a joke about like, man, this is super boring. And even my dad was like, I don't remember it being this fucking terrible. Like, it's just not fun to watch. And my brother went and got some black construction paper and cut out the MST3K guys <laughs> and taped it to the front of the TV and we watched the rest of Planet of the Apes that way because that's what the beginning of Planet of the Apes feels like that. And then I... and then those guys, they got moved down a little bit so they weren't quite so obvious, but those little guys were on our family TV for 10 years. Yeah. It was awesome. I want to do that when I get like, home. We watched everything with the little MST3K guys yeah. uh, sitting in front of it. But it was because of the beginning of Planet of the Apes. It's that, yeah. it's that bad. But you should watch it. I think the I'm sure the I'll rest get... of it is actually good, fun sci-fi. But the if the Esquire opens rough. up and they program it as a midnight, uh, then you in. will definitely fall asleep before it gets good. <laughs> So I'm gonna. Uh, so my 29th. I, I can't do it this year, but my 29th birthday, I'm gonna screen Planet of the Apes at the Alamo with private man. screening. Ah, uh, shoot! I'm, oh wait, what weekend is that? I think I'm out of town. <laughs> it's, it's a year from now, James. <laughs> yeah, I. Oh, yeah, no, I don't think I'm. But they're been, making Rod Serling cry. <laughs> they've been talking about remaking Logan's Runs for years, and I think you could totally do it. Like, and yeah. and combine it with some other additional premise. You can't yeah. make it too big budget, though. I think you gotta like work within the same parameters they probably would have like in terms of financial like because logan's run wasn't made for like a huge budget back then i don't think no but, but you got to make it for a big enough this, sure it's the, not it's not alita but you got to make it the sets know. in that movie there were huge yeah so you, you the budget probably a, was big you got to give it an edge of tomorrow budget that's like, fair you and they have a ton of extras too yeah. yeah um shoot who was it it was um gosh the guy who created irrational games um Oh my god, I can't believe I can't remember his name, but the guy who who wrote BioShock and BioShock Infinite oh, was actually know. tasked with um with rewriting that film. Oh then, really? And then it got canned. Um which would have been great if anyone could do it, like that guy could 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 make that idea. I'd love cool. to see it. Um and I would love to um you know, I mean, like it's a good concept, or it's an interesting concept. Yeah. Like it's one you can fiddle around with. Yeah, you, know? you just got to go to the core of that pro- that idea and dig something out that's actually worthwhile worthwhile so. right but anyway i'm glad you liked it cool. at least enjoyed it enough i enjoyed the production design yeah. you can <laughs> you can check that box off yeah. yeah um shoot would you tell corinne to watch it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah colin first not in it so I <laughs> not sure it would go over well um uh the other thing i watched was i finally watched um they shall not grow old Oh, oh, cool! Which is Peter Jackson's documentary about uh, World War One, mm-hmm. um, and that was it was 
an interesting watch. Yeah. Uh, for the first, I think, half an hour, you know, they tease you with like, oh, we colorize all this fridge, and the first half hour is standard frame black and white. And I'm like, D- <laughs> did, did I, I just, see the wrong one? Yeah, did I just get punked? Like what? <laughs> These guys, you just have Peter Jackson up in the projection going like, hey, Bradley's nervous. He doesn't like, think it's actually going to happen. Watch this, Bradley. <laughs> but then the last two thirds are like, you know, the 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 screen gets wider and the saturation comes in and the colorized and uh, food you did not. <laughs> uh, it's really not about World War One so much as it's about the people in the photographs. Hmm. Um, and it well, it's not the people in the photographs, but people representing the people in the photographs. Like because, the soldiers and yeah. So and it's cool. It starts out with Peter Jackson actually comes on screen and talks about the project. Mm-hmm. And he says, "Hey, stay after the credits, and you'll get to see how we did it." Um, and then uh, so the BBC archives has all these interviews with uh, veterans from that day, and then all the the footage. And he said, "Like, hey, you know, Peter Jackson, can you make something out of this? Because you know." it's here and it's just sitting here and we like to make it relevant. And he's like, I don't have any idea. I don't know why I do this. Um, and then he came up with the idea of colorizing and everything. And yeah. so, um, you know, and then they were just, it, originally it was just going to be the footage and then they're like, Oh, this needs something else. And then they, that's when they got the, the recordings of the interviews of people talking about the, their experience in that time. And so they layer that whole the, over the thing. So it's just cutting between different, uh, men just talking about their experience. And it's all about like, the most mundane things of being like in, in the, in the experience, like, you know, they, they did get, they talk about like down to the uniforms and like what they had to eat and the disease and the, uh, rat infestations in the, uh, trenches and like, like time, like what do you do with, when you have time off, what do you do? Yeah. Like all that different stuff. And like, the, I can't remember just existing how, in that space. Yeah. And I can't remember how many hours of, uh, audio, uh, recording they had to go through because like obviously the footage is extensive but like something in the realm of like 600 hours or something like that that they had to parse down to like what 40 hours and yeah. then, then you start cutting from there and finding the story it's so, fucking insane so if you're looking for like you know what were the missions or what was the strategy and who was fighting who it's really just like the British versus the Germans and you know this is what it was like to you know see your head, friend's head explode next to you yeah um, or uh, you know living with uh, like having to take I forget what it was but like because you got mustard gassed or and if you didn't have a gas mask you just had to throw you know some kind of cloth over your face yeah and, and suffer and because uh, yeah, even that wasn't going to stop you because it's, chemi- it's it's insane chemical warfare and... yeah and how to like you know use a bayonet on someone's shoulder uh, it was like the preferred uh, way to fight yeah um like the most painful, like you'd think it would be the stomach or something, but it's actually the shoulder. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. And they show in graphic detail, all the gruesome effects of all those things. And then the, the arrival of tanks, um, and how, and also like the, the, the fear of just like, you just hear cannons go off and, you know, sometimes there'd be, it would explode in the sky and the shrapnel would come down and hit everyone in the trench. Yeah. Uh, so you didn't, you didn't have to like hit a target. You just had to float like a, yeah, you just had to get some deadly shit in the, there. Er, yeah. in the area and you you just know, had wipe to exist out in a certain space. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean the, it, the, the, the last, like, uh, like after the film is finished when he's talking about it and he actually goes to one of the locations of where one of the photographs and pieces of footage is there. He's like that this, this, this in trench area, 
is the same as it was a hundred years ago. Like the, you look at hit the footage he's walking down on and it's like, Jesus Christ, it's the fucking same thing. Mm. And it, 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 I, I love it. Like, I, I really need to go see it again. I think it's probably already gone at this point, but, yeah. but I mean, I'm glad I got to see it at some point. So. And I saw it in 3d too. Um, pretty look pretty good in 3d. Yeah. Not bad. Uh, yeah. Compared to, did you guys see Elite in 3d? No, Just we did Yeah. I'm, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, a, li- a little cardboard cutouty, but I mean, what can you do? I think that's yeah. that's inherent with the, with the footage he's using. I, I would almost feel like I would want it to be, um, just because it's old photo, you know. But even but, some places, it still looks like they rounded out, like so. There's depth to it, so it, it's a pretty impressive thing. And then also, it build it managed to actually build to like a climax, so you feel like there's like an action set piece at the end. But it's all done through these mag, like they're uh, the like war propaganda magazine sketches of the battles because yeah. they didn't have photographers mm-hmm. <laughs> in like close up battle stuff. So, right. Um, but yeah. it was cool that they figured that a way to do that. So it felt like the documentary was actually like a cinematic movie where it was building to a, a climax and, and the, and the sound design in that moment, like it stressed me the fuck out when I was watching it, but then you like, you sit in it and it, it's impactful. And, um, and also the 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 justif- his justification for colorizing that footage is the best argument I've ever heard for altering footage like that, and I believe it. I believe it's absolutely of merit. Mm. Um, I mean, because it doesn't disrespect the fo- the footage of that they're shooting and whatnot, and actually provides. Of, it makes it feel more real, I'm sure. Well, yeah, it's because he his argument, which is brilliant, is if if they were in that if the if the war photographers of that era had the choice between color and black and white they were going to choose color because that would have been what they'd want to show realism for their propaganda fair right it's not an artistic choice yeah it's a, it's, it's it's not technical li- limitations yeah it's not like fucking fw murnau was down in the trenches going like no it has to show shadow and contrast right. so it's like uh spielberg didn't you know start making his lincoln film and go no 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 all the characters need to be painted i don't <laughs> <laughs> It was also cool to see, like, I didn't know uh, he had, a, like, a tremendous World War One memorabilia cl- cl- uh, collection. So when they're trying to source, like, well, what was the color of these uniforms? They would get uniforms out of his collection and, like, you know, source that exact <laughs> yeah. color. Because uh, I forget what he was talking about, but, you know, it seems like these things, like, would be obvious. Like, the color of grass would just be green, but not really. It's you know, more of a yellow green. and yeah. stuff. And uh, the cannons, like... Uh, you know, there's not a source library for some of these sounds, so he has one of the cannons, so he has real... The, the sound people really go out and, like, you know, move all the levers and stuff, so everything you're listening to in the documentary is authentic. It's not just, like, this uh, made-up... You know, like they would do for Star Wars, like, make up a sound. Yeah. Um, it's all the real stuff, so... Yeah, let me just look in my closet. I'll see if I've got all that stuff we need. Peter Jackson. Um, well, I, I, I thought you, you were taking with TT. I, I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> I'm glad you liked it, man. Like yeah. it's it's really great. I think that's it. Mm-hmm. I watched the first Ninja Turtles a lot, like on repeat, because <laughs> it was on Prime and it was just you know easy to yeah. Then were they heroes in a half show? Turtle power. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did they meet Vanilla Ice? No. And I saw the Lego Movie again. Oh, nice. Oh, everything was awesome. The second one still awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The second part. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the second part. Everything's not awesome. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Those are. Those are pretty high. Which uh, it's sad that people didn't go see it. Yeah, shoot, I know that box office looked dismal, man. Uh, Maybe they made too many Lego movies. Mm -hmm. 
But this is maybe the one that was everyone's that... favorite based on. Maybe people well, went yeah, to go see. Yeah, but they wore it out. Maybe like, unfortunately the people went to one. go see Glass instead. No. That made $100 million in this nation. I, I, I No, I just mean like I, I didn't even go see. I There are a few people in the world who love Lego as much as me, and I didn't even go see that Ninjago movie. Like, <laughs> um, you should have. It's funny. No, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. But, but I totally get people being worn out on it. I, I, they probably should have not made the Batman movie either. But either way, I mean, they were fine. They're good. Yeah. But... Cool. Yep. Um, so only a couple of things. I after getting back from Alita, uh, like Saturday morning, for for whatever reason, partially because it was just on Amazon Prime, I rewatched both of the uh, the Matrix sequels. Didn't watch the first one. It was just like, are these still what I remember? And they are. Um, <laughs> like, there's some cool stuff. I now, what's interesting is I think the stuff that has aged well is all the shit that I think so many people hated at the time and all the shit that hasn't aged well is all of the action. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you, even the good fight scenes, like the the Merovingian fight uh, in the in the restaurant. Yeah, um, that's, that's got some issues. Even that, you look at it and kind of go like, this is just a dance. Like, it's not... It it doesn't hold up as well as it's wire foo. even even the but it, yeah it's wire foo that feels like wire if it's wire foo that feels like, um, uh, the dragon sword the hidden tiger crouching tiger hidden crouch. dragon yeah, yeah. uh it, it feels like those it doesn't feel like the original Matrix wire foo yeah you know which those those fights still feel kind of brawly yeah watch them back to back and you realize that yeah. they, there's more choreography in them mainly because they can fiddle with that technology but right but the stuff yeah, as you said that people complained about at the time that is really good like I dude I love the uh, the, the architect stuff at yeah the end. oh I, yo absolutely the architect I mean I think brilliant the the big philosophy stuff is good so like the scene with the architect that kind of stuff. Those sort of very anime esque conversations about power and and really like elevating the whole idea of the Matrix, uh-huh. that stuff is still really good. Um, the quippy, stupid philosophy moments are not so like the moments where you know basically everything that Morpheus ever says in either of those films is complete dog shit. Um, it's somebody who like gets all of their philosophy from the cover of. A textbook, um, like that's what it feels it, like. It's but... interesting to see his devolution down the, down the series of the films. Yeah, like because he by the third film he becomes a not like or like a man in disbelief, and it's pretty interesting to watch. But that's only based on the but setup like, that they've constructed. He, he also becomes like the least important. Well, yeah, because like, it's all about Neo. Nothing, Matt. Like nothing. Yeah, it's just. Yeah, I would anyway. love more time with him. Yeah. I, I think, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, I mean the third, and I, mean, I think the third film's got like, of all the sequels, it's got the biggest problems. Yeah. In just like how they choose to approach certain things, but yeah, Reloaded is still the pretty, better pretty sequel. Good. Yeah, but, absolutely. But I will say, like, all three of them suggest, like, and like, I was listening to Blank Check about this, and they're correct. Like, the, the Wachowskis are way fucking ahead of their time every time they make a fucking movie. Like, like straight up, like if 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 not seen right away, we'll see it eventually. Like Speed Racer is a masterpiece that we overlooked in '08, and we kind of saw evidence of what Speed Racer was able to accomplish this week with Alita, 
because of just like the visual within visual stylization and grace. Yeah, I think the difference is that that like Speed Racer is a movie that's honestly made to serve an audience that probably isn't big enough for its budget. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, like, that movie was gonna bomb no matter Speed, what. <laughs> Speed Racer is a movie made for kids who liked Speed Racer and want that very tongue-in-cheek, silly, this shit isn't going to make sense, let's move on, this will be fun. And then it takes itself so self-serious that to anybody who wasn't a Speed Racer fan, you think it's supposed to be serious when you don't realize that actually it's just that it was poorly written dumb shit and that you should actually just be having fun with the fact that someone has a catapult that shoots bees. And... Like, if they had sold the movie and pitched the movie as there's a guy who's got a catapult that shoots bees, you might be like, oh, shit, man, I got to see a bee catapult. Yeah. But instead you're like, oh, man, this is a speed. It's a, He's a racer. He's going to. I just say, I would just say rewatch it. That's all I'd say. Oh, I'm sure. But yeah. Anyway, um, Matrix sequels, anyway. though. Uh, yeah, watch those. Uh, also was actually just finishing rewatching Solo before I came here and realized that I think that movie is actually great and i forgot when you watch it second or third time you know when i when we saw it in theaters and we talked about it i was like oh it's kind of like a little anthology of like these little stories i didn't realize like as you rewatch it you realize that actually there is one complete arc happening here you just don't see how it all ties together until it's over and you go like oh right like those people like that scene that you thought was just sort of a random heist scene is actually introducing this bigger thing about a rebellion and all this stuff, but you don't know it until later. And like, as that stuff sort of ties together. Um, but I feel really good about it right now. Still having about five minutes left in the film when I get home, which are the five minutes with, with that guy in it. Yeah. So I might feel worse when I go to bed, but right now I'm like, Oh yeah, that movie's great. Yeah. Uh, and then I also started watching the umbrella Academy, which is the Netflix adaptation of the comic book series from that dude from my chemical romance. Um, Oh, Gerard way. Yeah. And, um, it's weird. I don't know that I love it. Um, I don't know. I feel very disconnected from it. Like I'm just not interested. And I don't know if that's just a me thing or, if it's that I don't really appreciate the way they're telling the story. Um, partially because it feels very... They, they've they made it more real and gritty than I remember the comic being um, when I read it years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't... F- yeah. Uh, but anyway, the, the premise is that there's this... Um, there's a bunch of kids who are miraculously born on a single day um we don't actually know how many uh but there's eight i think that this guy adopts we're literally like like the move the show starts with this woman who's not pregnant and she's flirting with this guy and she jumps in a pool and when she pops her head back up she is actively giving birth to a baby like that some weird miraculous thing has happened and so all of these and all of these people who are spontaneously birthed into the world all kind of have magical powers um, so this like really rich guy goes in a, and basically buys or adopts, but really just buys them off of the parents um, and uh, and has sort of this like superhero squad that so he it's raises. So like Village of the Damned meets X-Men? 
Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, and they'll hate him because he's not a very good father because he's really just taking advantage of them for their crazy powers. Um, oh, meets parental abuse. Gotcha. Yeah. And the show starts with the, the, the dad has just died and they don't quite know, like, well, why did he die? And there's sort of a there's a certain sense of like Watchmen esque stuff going on because there's the there's the murder mystery. And then there's also one of the kids has some time traveling powers and he comes back from the future and is like, the world's going to explode in eight days. You know, you know, all of this by like the end of the first episode. Mm. Um, and so I'm just kind of I don't know. I, I might keep watching it. I might not. I don't know. Um, but if you if the premise sounds good, you should check it out for yourself because I can't say that I'm it just might not be for me right now. So I got four know. more Star Trek shows to watch, so I'll be fine for a while. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's pretty much everything for me. So. Cool, right on. Uh, Blu-rays. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Overlord is coming out yeah. this week on 4K. Right um, on. Some Nazi hunting. Love it. Zombie yeah. Nazi hunting. Uh, yeah. As well as the uh, 2018 remake of A Star is Born. Oh, right on. I like that movie. Uh, so Am I the only one here who's seen it? it? Probably. Oh, right on. Shallow's a good song. Uh, is it the is that the song? That's the song that's going to win Lady Gaga an Oscar on Sunday. Uh, tri- <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Didn't she already win one? No. She oh, lost she it that year oh, to Common and uh, John Legend. Oh, she should have. That was good. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, Tracy Lords and Ted Raimi are in a movie this week called Skinner. Uh, from Severin. Sweet. <laughs> so I love both those people. <laughs> do you? Well, or, okay, maybe you do. Sure, Tracy yeah. Lords is hilarious and Crybaby and Zach and Mary. True. So. She played her name Bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> her name her name Bubbles. Uh no, nobody cares about that. Uh Return of the Vampire is out this week from Shout. Mm. Uh which is the Bella Lugosi yeah. vampire movie. Help me where he's not Dracula in that one, right? No, he's. Yeah. It's. I can't remember. It's. It's. It's one of many things they found for him to do until he went back to Universal for some other project. I can't remember where it falls in everything else, but um, <laughs> it's. It's. We're gonna get another Bella Lugosi collection along with Boris Karloff collection later th- this year that I'm more excited about because it's gonna be their team up movies, oh. and so we're gonna get Black Cat, The Invisible Ray, and. The Raven, and it's going to be amazing, and I'm just going to isolate myself and we'll rewatch them over and over again. Cool. Uh, I opened these in the order they were on uh, Blu-ray.com, so that's why yeah. Strangely Out of Order is um, the Robin Hood movie on 4K. Your Robin which Hood. <laughs> I would have thought was still in theaters. I've heard this is I, so bad that I want to watch it just to see how bad it is. Is it really? Uh, I, I just... I, I have a compulsion to watch something that looked that ridiculous on the trailer, but I had no interest in paying for it at the theater. Yeah. But if I can find it for like 99 cent rental, hell yeah, I'll, I'll spend $1. <laughs> uh, I can't actually tell if this is all of season 11 of Doctor Who that's out on Blu-ray this week or if it's just a special called Resolution. Because it says season 11, but then it's called Doctor Who col- colon Resolution. I'm sh- I don't know. I, 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 uh. Either way, there's if, a lot of Doctor Who. If you're there. into Doctor Who, you should check it out. I should check this one out because with the new Doctor is a new showrunner, which is the most exciting thing about Doctor Who for me in a while. I am off its gone. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I might actually check that out. Uh, Robert De Niro, Uma Thurman, and Bill Murray in Mad Dog and Glory, which is a movie I've never heard of. 
Um, I've seen it once. <laughs> it's out from Blu-ray. And I don't know if that's all I need or not. Also from uh, Kino Lorber is Young Blood with Rob Lowe and Patrick Swayze, mm-hmm. uh, which has the most late '80s cover ever. Just I, well, I say this: it's it's the um, oh, shit. What's that music video? Uh, it's the Aha video. <laughs> it's it's just that animation, but on a cover. Okay, right on. Uh, from Twi- from Twilight Time is a limited release of Talk Radio, uh, which uh, I only put on here because it had the word radio on it. It's well, have you ever seen the movie? No, it's interesting. Gotcha. It's strangely relevant, but I don't even know if I'd rewatch it. Also it, from okay, it, I mean just the it. Uh, we'll talk about it later. Sure. <laughs> Will we? Nah, probably not. <laughs> uh, also from Twilight Time is a limited to 3,000 release of the 1967 Bedazzled. Uh, oh. Which doesn't have Brendan Fraser in it, so why would anyone watch it? Or Elizabeth Hurley. Or Elizabeth Hurley. Uh, and strange Instagram. <laughs> from Troma this week is Revenge of the Spacemen. Oh, those spacemen get revenge? Looks like. A good old sci-fi movie, but then I know it's not because it's from Troma. It looks like something Lloyd Kaufman produced. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. But I saved the best for last. Uh-oh. Which is from Mill Creek Entertainment, which I, I don't know that I've ever heard of. Oh, they put out a lot of the uh, Miramax and Weinstein stuff when they were trying to make the transition to Blu-ray and lost and, their holdings. Oh. And those VHS cover things like uh, Last Action Hero and Silent Rage we've talked oh, really? about. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, they're cool. Mill Creek's doing those? Yeah. Oh, oh shit. Fucking nice. Uh Well, this week, they're putting out a Blu-ray edition. Uh-huh. No laws, no limits, no turning back. Barbed wire. If you want to see oh, Pamela wow. Anderson's barbed wire, uh, you not just see it. If you would like to own... Barbed wire. You can the movie that drew too much attention away from properly marketing and releasing the Mystery Science Theater three thousand movie. <laughs> no, thank you. I will not give barbed wire any fucking money. But but it's a movie. But it might be hilarious to watch it again. But it's a movie based on a tattoo that she already had. Yeah. Do we talk about Pamela Anderson anymore? No, but but like so like. Can you think of a movie spawned for a dumber reason than we want to make a movie about Pamela Anderson? What do we call it? She has a barbed wire tattoo. Maybe we should call it barbed wire. I want to make a movie where we replace most of somebody's face. Oh, let's make Alita. <laughs> it's also it's also technically barbed wire. Yeah. So it's Anyway, it's it's a movie that existed and bankrupted a studio. <laughs> <laughs> but now you can give them, you know, your fifteen dollars. Please whatever. don't. What is it? What is it? It's oh my god! It is eight seventy nine on Amazon. Okay, fine. You can get it for I, less than nine dollars. I guess you want it if you want it on your shelf to impress people, which. If that's going to impress people, then I don't want to live on the planet anymore. A Blu-ray of barbed wire costs less than a burrito. <laughs> where are you getting your burritos, man? Yeah, wait for At where? a Qdoba? Oh, is that where a you also... A regular Qdoba is that, burrito. Is that where you also yeah. get a $9 cup of coffee, I'm not, millennial? I'm not, talking, <laughs> I'm not talking about some like... Well, okay. All right. To be fair, it's a it's a queso burrito. But if you're going to Qdoba, why aren't you getting the queso? Who's your burrito guy? 
Talk to me. I'll get you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you got I'll, I'll hook you up. I, I, I can if you give me, if you give me some fucking like one dollar McDonald's sausage burritos, I'm gonna punch you in the neck. <laughs> it's not a burrito. How about we, a three dollar? We wrap them in the Chipotle foil. <laughs> How about a three dollar Seven Eleven burrito? Oh, I'd actually rather have the dollar McDonald's burrito. No, that's how you uh, sabotage a day of his. Like, if you want to give him the shits, you'd get that. Oh shit my god! 11. It all comes back. We know what what Ryan did. <laughs> <laughs> Told you, Ryan, don't go into Seven Eleven for food. This week, uh-huh. we went and saw Alita, no colon Battle Angel. Yeah, Brad, should people see Alita Battle Angel? Um. I'm going to say yes. Uh, it's really... I'm mostly impressed by the technical aspect of it. It's definitely a technical achievement. It's the the CGI is still resides in the Uncanny Valley a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. But what impressed me most is that how well the CGI interacts with real things. Yeah. Like yes. more so than other movies where it feels like they just throw a drop shadow on some live action thing and it feels like it's interacting with the CGI. Here it feels like they're really like... Christoph Waltz is touching. I didn't even Alita. think about it until you said that. I I never thought about that. Thing. Yeah, I forget what there was a specific point in the movie where I noticed. I was like, wow, it's like yeah. it really feels like she's holding it or it's holding her. Huh. Um. Wow. So that's probably the most impressive part. Dialogue is pretty cringy. Um. A lot of James Cameron, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, a lot of trite, cliche stuff. Um, and the story, I had watched the anime, so there wasn't a lot of surprise oh. to oh, it. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, so the, the, the motorball, I think, is for the manga. Yes. Um, so I, that right. was the newest Which part I, of it. I had only learned, so I learned from my brother afterwards that the, the anime got canceled after the what is essentially the second book. And so when you said, like, because you had mentioned earlier after seeing the trailer, you were like, I don't remember rollerball being in there. And I was like, dude, that's like a defining thing about Alita is motorball. Uh, but now it makes sense. If you had watched the anime, I hadn't. I didn't know that that was true. That they had gotten canned after two books, basically. So. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I'd say see it just for the technical marvel of it. Like it's still quite an achievement. It's, um, story is just kind of meh. Um, and unfortunately, it's it's it has a cliffhanger. So they're they're expecting to make more of these. And I don't think it's gonna happen. I don't know. Like the most interesting thing is the end to me. Because <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Zach, should people see Alita, Battle Angel? What did I think of Elysium for kids? Uh, um, <laughs> for kids? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> you know, for kids. They there's a, the, there's they, a dead dog in this movie. Is it for kids? The, oh my, hey, hey, it's off screen. <laughs> they seem to all be having fun. All the blood and, is blue, uh, so that, it's for and, kids. And, and at the end of the day, aren't kids movies supposed to be fun? Right. Uh, no, yeah. Um, actually, I would. Um, I... <laughs> So far, this is the best movie I've seen this year, which is not saying much. Um, but, but, uh, so I. Which love- movies have you seen? I'll hook you up. <laughs> Glass. Um, uh, but no, I mean, I enjoyed it enough. I'm, I'm probably the only one in here who's never even fucking heard of Alita Battle Angel, and I'm not an anime guy. I, I watch various different anime things whenever the fuck I feel like it, but it's not anything consistent. So this film like surprised me in how much I was enthralled and entertained by it. Uh, visually stunning. Uh, I think the performances are fun for this fun sci-fi romp. Uh, I think that it's interestingly uh, approached with the direction because it kind of blends two very popular filmmakers' styles together in an interesting way. Um, uh, and I think this is 
one of the most interesting eclectic casts in a movie I've seen in a while. Like some people who I did not expect to intermingle with others intermingle in this film, and it's pretty fascinating. Well, he just stands there. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I'm actually talking about other people. We'll sure. get to it later. Yeah. But, uh, but no, uh, and, and I think it's fun. I think if you're looking for a fun little roller coaster ride in February, you could do worse and. I mean, honestly, it's kind of like Rampage was last year before Infinity War, wow. but this is a this is a wow. this is a pl- good placeholder before I get Captain that Marvel. It's just so. mean, but I mean, I enjoyed it enough that I would want a sequel. To be honest, I want to follow this adventure a little bit more, um, yeah. mainly so I don't have to read another book. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I will totally read that manga now because um, I've only read one other manga in my life. So, so you like this more than They Shall Grow Old or the Lego Movie? Um. Well, They Shall Not Grow Old is a 2018 movie, so that doesn't count. And he actually saw it in 2018. Uh, no, I didn't. I saw it didn't in you? 2019. But oh, okay. I, well, then but, now, now now you're splitting hairs. Okay. Okay. but um, And also, Lego Lego Movie 2 is fine, but like I, I also kind of like... But it's I, no what, Alita. I, I enjoyed Alita's, like, ori- like, not originality, but like it's something different, and it wasn't based on something I was too familiar with, so that kind of sure. helped that idea but anyway we go check it out uh oh and also um at this year's denver pop culture comic-con i will be cosplaying as christoph waltz throwing around a giant rocket axe it's gonna be awesome guys check it out okay but i require that that you actually have the little mark in your forehead uh and i will do the i will bring a sharpie and draw but i didn't have that in the movie james i don't care i don't (laughs) care i don't care it's inaccurate james should people go see alita battle angel gunam battle angel balita gunam uh, if you like yeah. Pina so I, we almost have like a perfect set here in that I'm the guy here who actually can't be very unbiased about this because I really loved the books. Um, I read them, I read them when I was like eleven or twelve, which is probably too young because the books are way more hyper violent than the movie is. Yeah. Um, and and then I actually just finished rereading all of the section that this movie touches. Um, so it was like super fresh in my memory. Um, and so I, I was going to qualify everything with that to begin with, because I was afraid like for people who know nothing, like when there's exposition or there's heavy handed st- or, you know, there's just confusing stuff, which there could be here. Cause there's, it's a weird story. Like to me, none of it, like I was able to follow everything and was really enjoying that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I ended up telling my folks to go see it. I think it's a, it's a, a very different, cool, sci-fi action adventure movie uh it's got a character that i love like i i really adore alita and i think by the you know it, it, the movie's kind of a slog until the bar sequence and then i think it really picks up yeah um and at that point you also get her as a character right. and so i think you know in our audience i could actually feel the whole audience like kind of lift at that moment and go like oh this is why i'm here yeah. so i would definitely say people should go see it um if you're into you know that kind of sci-fi thing it's definitely something that's very different right. and sure you're you're going to have to turn your brain off for parts of it there's some bits where i would have loved james vanderbilt to have touched this or like literally anybody who can turn out a script um i i guess i should go look up i know James Cameron had it co-written by somebody else, but I don't know who. Um, so I should go look up and see who. Maybe that was. have Robert do it. No, no, no. It was. Uh, a, I think it was a woman's name. No, 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 no. Oh, I you're no, saying I'm yeah. saying Robert well, might have. Robert, be cool I'm if Robert sure. Did it. I'm sure he tweaked some stuff. I more mean I'd like 
A full pass. Michael Chabon or somebody like that to actually touch this thing. Oh, oh okay. Well, I guess he could afford it, given that he's James Cameron. <laughs> Get Chabon to do that. Oh, dude, I mean, that guy touched Spider-Man 2. Like, he, that guy, that guy goes right to a lot a, of A lot movies. of people touch Spider-Man 2. I'm just saying. Anyway, uh, yeah, so I would say, yeah, people should check it out. Um, here's the trailer. Does it bother you that I'm not completely human? You are the most human person I have ever met. Didn't I tell you to be home before dark? I just lost track of time. A leader, you have to be responsible. You are someone very special. Hey, kid. Not just a teenage girl. Hey, what's your problem? You can't remember. What do you mean? Doc found you in the scrapyard. So you must be from up there. And I'm just an insignificant girl. That's what they want you to think. I'm not your daughter. I don't know what I am. I do. You have the most advanced weapon ever. That's just a shell. It's not bad or good. That part's up to you. I do not stand by in the presence of evil. She's threatening the natural order of things. Tonight is not a game. It is a hunt. need you to destroy a girl called Alita. You made the biggest mistake of your life. And what's that? Underestimating who I am. I'm almost disappointed Ryan's not here for this one because, like, I would love to know. His I opinion. am fascinated to know whether or not he hated this movie. Well, I, I'll, I will say I bet he did. <laughs> you think? Uh, no, it was probably like meh. Yeah. Okay. Um, I could see that. It's it's interesting because this film, like, I I I jokingly referred to this when we walked out of it, James. But like, one of the reasons I was kind of like meh on Ghost in the Shell was like I just didn't feel as invested with it. And for some reason, with Alita, I felt invested in the non in the anime nonsense that was going on because it's sure. clearly anime nonsense, which is not to discredit or discourage anime fans. It's just I don't get it the way other people get it. Sure. And so I feel like my opinion of the film is predicated on a bias that may seem insulting. And I think they did a good job of of kind of curbing some of that and having it be. I think the the places where that's a va- where that pops up is like how. I don't want to say abrasive, but like how fast paced the first 15 minutes are where it's just like, and how much we're, story we're, we got, we got to move forward really fast and suddenly get you to a crime alley where a crazy cyborg lady is because that's actually what the movie's about. So, so this movie is two hours and two minutes long. And there was a scene 
where Alita comes back from being out late and uh, Christoph Waltz is like, hey, I told you not to be out late. And then they have like some food and she's like, hey, do you have chocolate? And then the scene ends. I'm like, what was the point Did of this scene? Did they have chocolate? No, like what? Well, but I think you could have saved yourself like two minutes of the movie. Yeah, but it's it's also during that weird, the weird period of the time of the of the movie where that I thought they would have cut, where she you're supposed to kind of think that maybe Ido Ido is a a serial killer, right? right. But it's, it was the second time she noticed his arm because the first time was yes. when he was doing surgery. And it's unnecessary because it's only a ten minute long part of the movie. Like that's what I'm saying. Even like, less. Why is this scene in here? It's just, it's extraneous. Like it, sure. it just abruptly ends because when she says like, "Do you have chocolate?" Like it's a joke. Yeah, but it, I, I think that's part of it is them trying to just get some of her personality in the movie before because you don't really I don't th- feel like you you know or like Alita until you get to Kansas to the the scene in the bar Kansas where she finally like jumps up on a table and calls dudes out and is like I'm a motherfucking hurt you uh, I think the moment the real genuine laugh levity people were bought in moment was when like Hugo steps up and is like, Oh, you know, Hey, you know, and she's like, I'm going to need you to step really far back. And like the whole audience erupted in laughter. And then there was a tension of like, this is going to be cool. Um, but until then, I think they put those scenes in there because they want you to like her because otherwise she's just kind of empty. Yeah. There's know? a lot of, there's a lot of buildup to like, sorry. I don't, no, 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 go ahead. There you go. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. What weighs the movie down is, uh, the whole movie is basically her trying to figure out who she is. Yeah. And she doesn't really do any detective work because she either just like has a flash memory that informs her or other people direct her to things that like, oh, or she gets exposition from people. Yes. Like she never, Agreed. like she doesn't find the spaceship on her own. True. Um, and yeah, she has those memories and like that's the whole movie is like finding the new body, getting comfortable with like who she is. And meanwhile, there's this other thing going on with like robots getting harvested but and then the movie ends with like there's this villain Nova and you've had like a glimpse of him he's he's in, he's inhabiting people and then it's it's Edward Norton yeah okay so and we'll oh, take care oh, of this in the a, next movie right let's just AKA jump right the to, guy who should play James Cameron in a biopic let's with just, that fucking wig <laughs> let's just jump straight it's to such a bizarre yeah, yeah maybe my least far, favorite part of the movie which is they shouldn't have shown him so much like you see him for a second as a hologram that should have been it. And then they should have just let the first movie understand him as an evil guy who works up in the, in the city that you're, um, that, that is like kind of controlling some of the gang life down here. Right. Like, and that should have just been enough that then to do the thing that kills me is like twice at the end of the movie, they do this like, evil pan around him reveal. I think it's a recycled shot. I almost thought so too. <laughs> well, except that in one, he's got his sunglasses on, which in the book are just his eyes. Uh, right, and but then, they could and have, the they one, just cut that part of the first one though. You could be right. So yeah. I think it's the same shot. It does feel like the same shot. And I don't know why, unless it's like... Guys, With a different we, background. We paid a lot of money for Ed Norton because he's a dick. And it doesn't matter because they're going to get fucking Mark, Mark Ruffalo to do it, be him in the next one. So like... <laughs> It doesn't matter. Like, why did you use that? Um, I I, th- I think that the... I, I, you know what's funny? Like, and again, at the risk of speaking out of ignorance, 
this is this th- watching this film reminded me of the few times that I have read a manga, whether it's even just one book or an entire series where I'm just like, oh, this is like one book out of a series of books that maybe we'll get more of. Maybe we won't. Yeah. And like, but I enjoyed the isolated like the, the, I like I enjoyed it as its own thing. Yes, the ending is frustrating in the respect of like, ah, I get it. We're supposed to get more of it. But. I really appreciated the commitment to the insanity that goes on in this film. Sure. Uh, There's a little bit of uh, Speed Racer in there is what you're saying. There, There is. <laughs> and that's part of why Speed Racer is a secret masterpiece. Go rewatch Speed Racer, guys. Um, but uh, but the bar sequence, I think – actually, I actually think um, the moment I start getting extremely interested is – in the alleyway scene mm. where she starts learning how she that she can fight because right. it it reveals to us hey she's probably more than just some piece of scrap she found in the pile um and uh, christoph waltz's character like so i'm a unabashed christoph waltz fan i've spoken about this before yeah i really like his performance in this and at, when i first walked out of it i didn't know if i really enjoyed it but the more i walked out of it then thought about it the more i was like you know what He's playing a very delicate line of I don't want to make this my surrogate daughter, but this is my surrogate daughter. Yeah. And I think it's actually pretty genius what he's doing, mixed with the fact that he is playing this anime world in stride. And I mentioned it at the top of the review, he has a rocket axe that he hunts people it's with. It's a hammer. Or whatever. I'm going to call hammer. it a, I'm going to call it a rocket axe it's not, it looks though. like it's axe. a rocket hammer. Okay, whatever. Right, right. It's a rocket hammer. Okay, fine. It's whatever. Pointy. Okay, nerd. Um <laughs> if anything it's like an ice pick with a rocket on okay, it. Okay, he's got this rocket thing that he swings around like he's fucking like Mario maybe, like maybe the most anime thing in the whole th- in and the whole And it's movie. done by Christoph Waltz and you know what? Like there are moments where it looks not like Not a good weapon. <laughs> It, well, it's really, to fight some of these yeah. cyborgs with. Yeah, no, it's, not weird, at it's all. weird because it ki- it's kind of floaty. Like that's what I was gonna point is that he looks like he's having so much trouble figuring out what the weight of the actual item he's holding is. Yes, very it's true. very interesting. But whenever they close in on his face, it looks like he's tr- terribly committed to it in a mm-hmm. beautiful way. Um, I, I I appreciate the heck out of it. Also, there's so many character actors in this film. That get overlooked and underappreciated. The one who gets the least screen time, and I think if there is a sequel, he needs an expanded role. I would agree is with you. Jeff Fahey as the most badass cyborg of them all, <laughs> a cowboy robot with an army of robot dogs. And he has the best line in the movie for me is after Alita defeats Jackie Earl Haley's big old robot in the sewer. The, the the robot dogs attack uh, Jackie Earl Haley's character, and Jeff Fahey comes into screen and goes, "He wasn't a dog lover." <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing. It's it Jeff Fahey, guys. Like we, and you know what sucks? He has to do a co-share credit with another actor that I've never heard of, and I'm like, no, Jeff Fahey should get a single credit card, guys. I think the oh. the reason why this movie is worth watching to me is. I can't think of another movie you're going to see where you get to watch like a robot lady fight a bunch of really sometimes creative, sometimes less creative, but definitely different like sci-fi cyborg monster people. And like you get to see that dude get stabbed in the eye and then she breaks her arm off in his eye. Like the, the, the kind of action and violence and, sci-fi stuff that you're getting here is just a little bit 
unique to me. The, the robot uh, designs. That's where the, the passion kind of comes from. The robot designs in this film are the most authentic Dude. to their source looking things I've seen. True. Yeah. Ever. Like, I mean, Ghost in the Shell comes kind of close when I see photos of what Ghost in the Shell, the anime looks like and what the, the movie looked like. They get, they get okay. This, like this, the unique designs of the different robots who are part of the hunter killers and whatnot. I'm like, these look like they popped out of a manga book. Like this yeah. is interesting. And especially his. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Robert, Robert, so the film also kind of feels like it's not dually directed, but like the motivations are different. It's, I would say it's, it's a Robert Rodriguez film, obviously, but there are moments that feel less Rodriguez than normal. Um, and I mean, part of that is James Cameron, Jim Cameron going over to him and saying, Hey, I like your garage, Robert. Can you come over and work in my garage? Um, cause that's basically what they do guys. They work in their garages. Um, but the bar scene is so uniquely Robert Rodriguez style approach and delivery and execution. Um, but then when it goes down to the sewer, it's a little more Jim Cameron. -y. I did say when we were in the car, I really wish that they he had gotten Cheech to be the bartender. Oh God, Yeah. But the but the, the other yeah, thing, but then I took it too far and suggested that Quentin Tarantino should have been the bounty hunter no, guy. <laughs> no. Uh, the other thing about this that was amazing to me is, uh, so I got my brother to come see this too because he had obviously read them and um, and has actually read way further into the series than I ever did. Um, and I think like going and I knew I I knew like things are going to be different. And then as the film moved on, like the most different part of it is the beginning. And then as the movie goes, like so much of it is accurate to the book that they're like, they would do things. And I was like, holy shit, like they actually did that or they actually did this or like, oh my God, like here's that moment. Um, and some of it was, um, was fantastic. Um, and it, I, I remember thinking after I got out of the theater, like this is probably what Harry Potter fans felt like. Where, like, because I was very afraid that everyone was going to hate this movie but me. Um, and honestly, it's actually doing relatively well. Like, the uh, the word of mouth is is pretty good. And then the, the box office over the weekend, it was, like, it went up significantly on Saturday. Kind of indicating, like, people are seeing it, liking it, and then telling other people to go see it in a way that it's, I, it's, I don't think anyone was expecting. It's got a word um, of it's, it's 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 got a possible word of mouth, which is at this point its best bet to recoup yeah. and give an interest in a sequel, which I do want. Well, and also, I'll say it has another best bet, which is China. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. I forgot. Like James Cameron's not a dumb, dumb. aka Michael Bay's best friends. Right. Yeah. Uh, James Cameron is not a complete idiot, and this movie. Marketed well to China, yeah, is which they, it, it'd know. be cool if they love that. I mean, I yeah. love that. I love that China. The China market does enjoy the spectacle stuff. Yeah, I mean, it sucks that we have a hard time selling different genres I, over there. But I do wish, like, this has a pretty serious James Cameron stamp on it. In that, yeah, I think that. Well, if it did, the, the yeah. performance from the guy who plays Hugo isn't great. I think a lot. He's a heartthrob. He's I, a heartthrob. I don't man. think it's even necessarily his fault. In that, the second thing, which is. A lot of the dialogue's not awesome. Um, oh yeah, because it's James. And Cameron. yeah, um, well, and because I think they're they're adapting the book, but they're not they're not really like going towards the real heart of it. Mm -hmm. um, and so you get just this sh these really shitty, obvious scenes, like the moment where she's like, "Does it bother you that I'm not completely human?" Well, in a fucking world where everyone's a goddamn cyborg, it should bother her that he's a complete human, like. 
but, but James Cameron, and I will say this for the dialogue portion, for all that we could complain about with James Cameron's dialogue and all the times we could say I could write a better script, his dialogue works for people and it makes money. Yeah, they but love his scripts. But America they don't, people don't love many his times. dialogue. But the the like, it's a shame because that moment, and it's not even her statement that's the problem. It's his stupid hyperbolic return of "You're the most human person I've ever met." Okay, it so sounds like a line is, you're like faking interest in her to exactly. get laid. <laughs> and like, you here's a moment where you can actually make this romance ring. And you could have spent 20 minutes on that line. I don't mean of screen time. I mean, in the writer's room, you could have had a conversation about what does he really need to say? And what he needs to say is something that is way more honest and realistic and, and heartfelt than this, like... Deep inside, I'm, we're all robots. I'm 13 and I'm dating my first girlfriend bullshit answer. Like, <laughs> it's just awful. And it's it's too bad because... What's interesting about Hugo, especially here, is how much they redeem him. Like, he's not anywhere near as bad as he is in the book. In the book, he's fucking murdering people. Yeah. Like, he's stealing their spinal columns and selling them on the black market. Like, when she figures out what he's doing, she's super pissed. And sure, she wants to help him, but he's a bad guy. Here, he's, yeah, he's stealing people's parts and he's getting paid to do it. But he kind of feels like a victim of the system more and you you don't feel so bad for him, and he's immediately appalled at the idea of anybody getting, getting killed. Um, and so, like, they needed to kind of make that romance work, because clearly this movie wants them to hit her to actually love him. Um, and right. so that, like, bits of shitty dialogue like that just completely take you out of it. I'd do anything for you. I'd give you my heart. Literally. Dude. Uh. <sighs> You know what? I, uh, again, but that that one almost worked for me, and then she also has what is maybe the best piece of of dialogue in the movie, that was where she goes, "That was really intense, huh?" <laughs> and like it was like a, a moment of levity after some James Cameron ass heavy dialogue, um, which is which which makes me wonder. Like you're probably right. Like I know there's another co-writer, but robert rodriguez probably does have a little bit of a hand in the script here oh, i'm sure because I mean, every director does all those things you mentioned being a problem i was like yeah but they do found a way to counteract that in in their own ways each yeah. and every time and that's why this film saved for me like i'll be completely honest and i know this is going to sound a little hyperbolic towards one of the sundance kids but I think Robert Rodriguez saves this movie in a big bad way oh, because totally. if, if this was left just to Jim's Cameron, I would have been fucking annoyed. Oh, absolutely, yeah. He, I, mean, I, I was Robert, just gonna say. I mean, the Robert the, Rodriguez, director of Machete Kills, the the dialogue saves here, this movie. or the dialogue in every movie is won or lost by the director. Where yeah. you know, even bad dialogue, um, the performance, you know, lends a lot to it, and. You know that dialogue can get tweaked on set when somebody's saying something, and yeah. you go, "God, that just doesn't sound." Well, good. yeah, that's like, the job of the director. And you're looking at this moment and going, "Like, man, this just doesn't feel like right. like in that moment where where she you know says that to him, when you don't have any real chemistry on set, like you you should feel that and go like, "Oh, we need we need to fix this. Like, I got to figure out how to make this moment better." Well, um, I'll tell you what what did it for me on that. What made me convinced of that? So Robert Rodriguez, you know, obviously he's directed like Desperado films and stuff like that. He also did the Spy Kids movies, which have a lot of heart in them. 
and the scene after she gets her new body and Christoph Waltz has that scene where he's like, but it's just a shell. It's not good yeah. or bad, which I think is yeah. a beautiful moment uh, in that film. And uh, she just snuggles up with him and just like, they, they just like, they, they're just like, you know, affectionate towards each other, like yeah. in, a, in a father daughter way. Like there's a, there's a tenderness to that moment that recalls some of the most heartwarming things about some Robert Rodriguez movies. Mm-hmm. Like there's just a yeah. familial, like there's a comfort zone there. Like it, it, it's, and it's slight in this scene in this case, but it's totally. enough to add something to the film. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I don't know, like, I mean, I, I want another one and I want Robert to do that. And I want Robert to actually get involved in the script even more somehow. And maybe, you know, kick Jim over to the side to go work on his blue cat movies or whatever the fuck he wants to do. Um, Titanic two. Great idea. Go do that, Jim. But you know, I like Titanic two cruise control. (laughs) Titanic two. We made another one. (laughs) Um, but, uh, I, I, I want to see where you can take it. I want to see what you can do with the Edward Norton character. Um, not that I really care. I really liked Mahershal Ali in the movie too. Yeah, he's fun. Yeah, he's good. Uh, Jennifer, uh, Con- Jennifer Connelly. That part where she just shows up at the end at the oh, right time. Stupid. Like, where- Why was she there? I don't care. Alita <laughs> on rollerblades, like rollerbladed across half of oh yeah Iron City, and then last time we saw Jennifer Connelly, she was just up in the uh, box seats at Super the- dumb. How did she? Especially because in the book, get there as fast. In the book, Alita just does that. Like, there should have... I get they're probably like, trying to help the audience along with, like, well, Alita's new to everything. How would she know complicated surgical techniques? But, but she already has the heart scene with him earlier. Like, that's why the heart scene works, is because... And she's seen working alongside Ido, like, helping with scalpels right. and things. Yes. So we assume Absolutely. she's getting... That. So, yeah, it's just like... Yeah, Jennifer Connelly being there is only really there... So her character doesn't exist in the books. And she, oh, I, yeah, I thought she was. I was like, I don't remember this character. Yeah. So in the in the books, uh, and my brother talked about this too. Like the whole thing about it being Ito's daughter's body and all that. That's all different. He names her Alita after his old cat, which was a boy. Like it's it's just a little throwaway little joke. Um, but they wanted to add a lot more. Well, two things. One, it adds some some humanity and character to Ito. Um, Make him more paternal. Yeah, and um fixes some of the weird relationship between Ido and Alita. Um, because when then it, I'll say it this way. It solidifies her as a daughter figure to him where I think in the first few chapters of the book, you kind of don't know. And I think you would get that same weird feeling in the movie. Um, like Jennifer Connelly's character is interesting and serves a, a narrative like purpose. narrative purpose, but she doesn't need to be there um we, we i don't like she just needed a good speech somewhere near the end that's not i'm a mother and then she just turns into a brain which brain in the box reveal awesome like that's yeah, what to to put, use put the a character black and white for that, filter on that that looks like a 40 sci-fi film. Right. that's pretty fun like, to put to use that Robocop character for style. that yeah, yeah. <laughs> um because it is what a great reveal um but again it's one of those things where they should have spent a little more time making like in the, in the book, Alita really wants to go to the city too. And so it's a really heartbreaking moment when she realizes like, Oh no, like this is all lies. All of this shit is lies. Um, but you know, it's still, it's still fine. Um, there's things I would, I would tweak to do better, but at the end of the day, I really enjoyed this because 
she jumps in the air and kicks two bottles into dudes' faces and kicks the shit out of all those dudes in the bar and loses two legs and an arm and then jumps up and punches a dude in the eyeball and breaks her other arm off in his face because fuck that guy. I think Rosa and, and I think Rosa Salazar does a really good job of selling that character too. Yeah, I don't know how to say that. Because it's weird. Because I looked they at a picture of her. Not all. Her. I looked at a picture of her. Not all of her face is completely gone. Oh, like they, everything you're seeing is a CG face. I, I, they're they're using motion capture, but she's she's a cat person. But but regardless of that, though, like I mean, like okay, then we got to start making comments about Andy Circus because I know he doesn't no, no, no. look like Gollum. It's not this. <laughs> it's it is it is the same thing. But that's not that she's not doing a great job. It's just that that she's look is doing a great job. It's just she's not ever on I guess the, a different way to say it is as as pleasant as surprising as it is to literally see the anime character in the film you're kind of wondering why I kind of just wish they had gotten a young woman and sure CG her face some to to change her but don't let but have some of it be real and some of it not and don't let me know where the seams are right yeah. like if you really want her to have big eyes great give her big eyes but give her big eyes like on a person you know yeah um, I would be fine with that because it makes her feel other. It's like she's the only cat person in an, in an Avatar movie, right? It's yeah. like why? Wait, why is she that, different? That, you know? that, that is one of the one of the few things that kind of throws me off sometimes, especially with the scenes with Hugo. But I I'm able to get over it. So yeah, yeah. cool. So right on. Anyway, cool. Um, what is next week? I don't know. I think next week was a dead week, and so it's happy murder to time to you. Yeah, because the week after is How to Trade Your Dragon 3, right? Fuck yeah. Oh, I uh, cried during the wait, trailer. Because no, next week, well, cause the ne- so next week would be Happy Death Day to you, and then right. How to Train Your Dragon, and then Captain Marvel. So yeah, right. never mind. You guys are right. I'm wrong. I cried during the trailer to... Um, how to Train Your Dragon three? Uh-huh. Not because I don't even know that that trailer looks great, uh, but just because it reminded me of how good the end of How to Train Your Dragon one is. Uh, um, I have the first one on Blu-ray. I haven't seen the second one yet. So second one's fine. I mean, it's a sequel, but yeah, it's the the image of them both getting hurt and then their like the the their their wounds from their story actually making them. Uh, you know a part of each other is just an awesome image oh um, yeah of course yeah so anyway right on cool damn well, cool. to talk about cold pursuit oh what's cold pursuit and liam neeson's uh, oh that's movie. right yeah oh yeah yeah he's been in the news <laughs> well Save okay. it for next week you know he's an old guy yeah you know he could have saved more he he I, i'm gonna let him off the hook He hasn't been raping kids for 30 years. Anyway, thanks, Brian Singer. Have a good night. Until next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. 
And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.